Oh, blast it! Toot, blurred, rattles, brass, camel, blurred, you blood her, brattle, beast, jerk up, in the heat of battle, my father wove a tapestry of obscenity that, as far as we know, is still hanging in space over Lake Michigan. Welcome back to uh, episode 119 of Gundam at MHQ, and uh, this is one of the hosts, Neo, and of course I'm always joined with uh, Chris and Solbro. Guys, say hello. I rap for li- God dang it! I had a, I had something I had something in mind I was gonna say, but hey, you what's up, everybody? Up usual. I screwed it up. What I was gonna say? I was gonna say I I rap for um, ladies, listeners, um, mecha heads, and fly prisoners. <laughs> All you had to say was hello. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Always tell me things. Always. Yes. <laughs> next time I'll write my shit down. <laughs> no, next time just say hello. Yeah. Hey, wow. Wow. I just well, I, I felt like a change today. Oh well. All right. And on with the show. <laughs> yeah. That that man. It's uh, what a way to derail it, huh? Mm-hmm. It's been what a minute. Okay. Hey, hey man. That's that's that's. I, I don't I don't I don't lose my touch. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> listeners of Gundam, that 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 you know unmistakably that is Soulbro. So um, I put my I put my stamp on this episode. Exactly. We're good. Let's, let's call the whole thing off. That's a wrap. See you guys later. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. <laughs> yeah. In this episode, we got some good stuff for you guys. Uh, well, we're going to be doing a review and an interview with a voice actor. And one of the reviews is uh, it's something that um, I. We, uh, we've talked about in the past of doing and a lot of people have asked us to do and it's it's a very popular show from uh, you know the the originator of Gundam Yokoshiki, Yoshiyuki Tamino himself and uh, it's uh, e, no Heavy Metal L game not the other one <laughs> that everybody thinks it's going to be so we'll be definitely uh, doing that we're going to be doing the, the series the 54 episode uh, series plus the um, the OVA, the third OVA, which is a different story and and not covering the first two because those are just compilations. And uh, after that, we'll be doing a voice actor interview inside the voice actor studio with uh, long awaited. Uh, Wait, so is Bill is Bill Whipton coming in? Oh, I, 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 I could see if he's available <laughs> inside the voice actor studio. And uh, so- something that we had had planned early at the end of last year, but because of scheduling and stuff. Uh, but luckily, we were able to uh, secure him this time. And it's a very entertaining interview with voice actor Richard Epcart from uh, such shows as what? It seemed like once we talked to him, uh, the man's been in every show since uh, 1985. <laughs> That's pretty much. <laughs> 
but you may know him as Professor Botto. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, steak lover Ben Dixon. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, man. And 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 recently the Joker in um the upcoming game um Injustice over um the the, the new fighting game for uh DC. DC yeah for Justice. So that's a marquee role. I, I, if anything, I um hope to talk. We I hope we can talk to him in the future and have him talk about that sometime. And. Uh, Let's not say anything because I want to see how well the listeners out there listen. It does seem that Mr. Epcard had dropped some news about something oh. in the interview. I'm just wondering <laughs> after this gets released, uh, let's let's see if you guys can figure it out on the old Mecha Talk board. You heard it here first on Gundam. <laughs> Destination Tokyo. Exclusive. <laughs> Talked about. Japanese cartoony show. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So Don't believe Tokyo Rose. <laughs> Take that, Hirohito. <laughs> Joe. Captain America wants you to buy war bonds. <laughs> and smash those Nazis. And uh, Hydra. <laughs> Captain America. Like I said, I just hope in that movie they just need to dub over Chris Evans' awful, awful, uh, unenthusiastic uh, voice or acting with the uh, the guy that was on Earth's Mightiest. That's the <laughs> way we should do it. <laughs> Chris Evans looks the part, does not sound the part, so just uh, do that and dub this guy over. <laughs> Stow that talk, Chris Evans. <laughs> do, do what uh, George Lucas did with the poor guy that was Vader in those movies. <laughs> Yeah, just, you can just say the lines any way you want to. <laughs> We're gonna put James Earl Jones over it, so it doesn't matter. But um, well, yeah. So we have an action-packed episode. Uh, but before we do that, we have some news here. And like always, you can post your news articles in the Neo's Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum. And uh, we, we hadn't been on for, uh, we took like an extended week or so because of some uh, scheduling things. So we're, we're packed up a little bit, but just, um, so there might be some things that we may not cover. So don't have a heart attack if you're not. If your uh, article is not selected, and and also one last housekeeping thing: um, uh, websites in different uh, languages. Um, since uh, we pretty much don't speak some of those languages, especially the Asian languages, uh, or read them, um, just don't send them. Uh, I mean, it just doesn't. You know, let, let, let's wait till we can kind of see what it is because uh, you you know it, it could be it, they could put anything in those words and we wouldn't know so i i, I don't want to do that there there is some integrity to this journalism here so with that we start with don't uh, trust red japan <laughs> <laughs> we start with rodimus 76 and he's got some survey news so we're definitely kicking it off right with this episode survey news and uh, just going to do uh, a quick thing here i guess in transformers 4 it has been confirmed. Survey has said that uh, he's brought in a new cast and they're going to be bringing in some new robots. But uh, they're also going to be redesigning some of the robots and redesigning mm. um, a lot of the other things that we had come, you know, uh, that we've been accustomed to in the last of the uh, for, of the, the Survey epics. So um, I hope they make the Decepticons actually look like something now. Yeah, instead of a bunch of gears, but so um, just a bunch of gears and just like silver junk. <laughs> <laughs> silver you can't junk. tell any of them from each other. Uh, uh, Maybe there could be one called silver junk. 
just balls of scrap just just fighting each other. <laughs> you know what? Silver Junk would be. Wasn't there Junkicons or something like that from the old thing? The Junkions from Transformers, the animated movie. <laughs> yeah. So you could have had Silver Junk. You could have been there. So, um... Thank you, Mr. Rodis76, and he's Rodis76 is back with another one, and this oh. is I'm kind of I'm kind of sad about this. It doesn't seem like they're going to be doing what they should be doing. I had heard this earlier on the week on the radio, um, and, but you guys on the radio, what are you listening to? <laughs> <laughs> I heard it on the uh, what is it, the Showbiz Beat with uh, Ralph Garman. They were, he was talking about this too. But you remember the Ralph um, Garman? Never heard of him. Don't like him. Not <laughs> at all. Um, you guys. God, I forget what channel used to play. I think Tech TV used to play it and some other thing. You know, it used to be in syndication like before that. Remember Thunderbirds? The yeah. That's that I think I think it was from England, right? It's an English yeah. thing. Jerry they, Anderson, yeah. They're going to be doing it in Marionette Vision. That's what mm-hmm. always that's what I always like, but they're going to be it's going to be getting a series reboot called Thunderbirds or Go. Uh it's going to be bay, uh done Developed by the UK, and I guess they're teaming up with the uh, New Zealand um, uh, production company. Oh, and what a workshop! So these these might be long episodes. Hopefully, Peter Jackson doesn't put his hands on any. Um, but it's going to be twenty six episodes. Uh, Three that... and a half hour pilot of puppets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's not going to be uh, marionettes in this one. It's all going to be CGI and live action model sets. So wait, 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 wait. How about this? Why don't they make hmm. them CGI marionettes? Oh, that, mm, I don't know. I still like that, though. CGI string. (laughs) (laughs) That weird weird waddle that they do when they're walking. Yes. Oh, my. Wouldn't that be, like, so meta? Oh, it It, would be. be. (laughs) Either that or get the Team America guys to work on it. (laughs) Well, it, it... I, I'm sure. I'm sure if Peter Jack, I, I just hope the first pilot episode is not directed by Peter Jackson because it, it'd be a, a normal. It'd be a three-hour pilot and just be like just a bunch of stuff watching him walk the whole time. So there you go. And uh, thank you, Mister Rodimus seventy six, for your submission. And definitely check that out because I always thought that was a, kind of a cool little show. Def- definitely different. But uh, next one here comes from uh, Arbiter Gundam, and this is, deals nothing with. Um, with Macross, which is freaking surprising. Um, it's actually, he actually uh, links here from Crunchyroll uh, that um, there was an interview with uh, Guillermo del Toro, the, uh, the master director of um, Pacific Rim. And uh, he talks a little bit about the mecha pilots, and there's also some uh, pictures of the robots and stuff. Mm. And, um, hopefully this becomes the awesome, the awesome movie that I believe it will be, because... Um, you know, if this does work out, Guillermo del Toro, he might earn a title and be held up in regards of, like, uh, Lord King and Survey. So, yeah, <laughs> And these are lofty goals. And I know he's out there listening, and I know he's probably excited about that. So, um, mm-hmm. And how. Thank you <laughs> for your submission. Um, next one here comes from, oh, man. Um, oh, this comes from Vent Noir. And I just want to let people know, too, I, I know I skipped over some stuff about the new Star Wars movies and all this stuff. There's going to be stuff like that coming out the whole time. And, and if you're going to post anything about that, make sure it's kind of confirmed because I don't want to get into the land of uh, make-believe. Confirmed. Things are happening that you don't know about. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
I don't want somebody uh, somebody saw this guy from Lucasfilms take a dump and he left uh, a, a, a thing, a headless Bobo Fett in there or something like that. I don't need to hear that. But uh, next Come one. On. Sites are spreading rumors. <laughs> Confirm. Game it. Not helping, happy with anything. Oh, oh, the humanity. Uh, next one here comes from Vent Noir, one of the most dangerous of all the Australians. And this is an mm-hmm. interesting one here that he has. And this comes from io9. And it's a, just a quick list. It's the 10 most incompetent space captains in the universe. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this. but I um, saw that, and I, I call shenanigans because Janeway is not one of them. Yeah, oh, that, that, what? That, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, starting at number 10 is uh, Salomar and Doctor Who, the planet of evil. It looks like one of the... Uh, looks, oh, it's from the 70s, Doctor Who, so I don't know that. Captain Kranis from Farscape <laughs> is uh, number 9. Number 8 kills me, Captain EO. And if you really think about it, yeah, he was pretty much a bad captain. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> And um, number seven is, uh, remember this guy, Chris, uh, Captain Michael Janikowski in uh, Babylon 5, who uh, oh, yeah. I'll just start a whole intergalactic. I, am, am I weird looking? Let's shoot him. Shoot him. <laughs> They're head right for us. <laughs> and Ben Barry is all them funny looking ships. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He was um, uh, number six is Ozil Anita from. Uh, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, you know, the two guys that get choke-slammed mm-hmm. uh, through, through that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Number five is the, oh, this, I guess this would be appropriate, the irresponsible Captain Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't four. a bad captain. He was just no, irresponsible. I know. I know. <laughs> he was a great captain. He just had an unorthodox way about him. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Number four was uh, Commander Barry Gardner from the Battlestar Galactica, the reimagined show, and that was Mr. Mister. I'd rather just be sitting with the machines. <laughs> <laughs> Captain's place is in the engine room, not, in the, uh, not on the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Commodore, number three is Commodore Matt Decker from Star Trek The Doomsday Machine. Did Absolutely. Did the guy all crazy when the big turd was going through space? Yeah. <laughs> 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 we gotta get it. It killed everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's pretty, pretty much exactly how it went. That's how it was. He was like, Kirk, you don't know what you're talking about. It killed my crew. But, <laughs> but about, weren't you the one that um, weren't you the one that put your beamed your crew down on the planet that the turd ate? It's like, jeez. <laughs> it's fun too because if you think about this guy, you're telling me Janeway's uh, Janeway's better than this guy? No way. <laughs> oh my that's what gosh. I'm yeah. Uh, number two is Captain Dallas from Alien. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one is Zap Brannigan from Futurama. <laughs> yeah, thumbs up on that one. <laughs> I'll agree with Zap Brannigan's number one, but Janeway should be number two. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I don't, I don't even know why Janeway is not in there. There's some honor rule. belongs on there mm-hmm. um, from Galactica. That uh, that fat guy on the Pegasus who took over Ooh. after Kane and was there for like one episode before he oh. got killed. Oh, he got murked so and bad. That guy. <laughs> yeah, Mister Mister Organized Crime. Yep. Yeah. There was there's another honorable mention. Um, Lieutenant Reed on Mobile Suit Gundam when he was when he uh, took command over Bright for those few episodes. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty bad. 
what a dick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man. Oh, and, and we, can, we can never forget Jamaican. <laughs> and he had a fitting end. He did. Yeah. But man. Yeah. So thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission there. But damn you, io9 for not putting Janeway on that list. That's what I'm saying, man. She deserved to be in, in the top three. Easy. Easy. Or whatever. The, the, another honorable mention, I know he didn't get a lot of screen time, was uh, remember the guy in Deep Space Nine that had, was in the, uh, the, the ship like the Enterprise, the Galaxy-class mm-hmm. ship that got killed by the Jem'Hadar? Chris, remember he's yeah. like, oh, don't worry. I'll, we'll, we'll take care of it because we're, we're, we're a Galaxy-class starship. Me and me. the ship there is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Yeah. So thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Um, actually, Vent Noir has got another one here, too. Uh, and this is coming from the Anime News Network. Uh, there's a Gundam Arcade Competition TV show that's uh, getting its fourth season in Japan. So hmm. I wonder how that is. I mean, um, I, kn- I-, I know watching some of these uh, game shows in Japan, I-, I wonder if they put it in that vein where it's you know, crazy stuff going when they, while these guys are playing each other in, in uh, the Bonds of the Battlefield game. Maybe <laughs> like, a, you know, a bunch of teen idols dancing around and singing. That would or be some cool. some monitor lizard sniffing them. <laughs> <Yes>. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Uh, next one here comes from uh, EA Net Dude, and uh, he's got a link here. And if you go to his link, it's going to show you the first or the uh, cover art for the first volume from Vertical Entertainment of Mobile Suit Gundam, The Origin. Oh, yeah. Optimus Rising. I mean, RX-78 Rising. <laughs> Rising. No, it doesn't look as much like Optimus Prime and, uh, as, as, as the good old show. So thank you, Mr. EA Net Dude, for your submission. Uh, next one here uh, comes from Wielder, and uh, Wielder has there is a gun. Oh, damn it! Damn you, computer! Um, <clears throat> there is a Gundam UC manga that's going to launch with Bright Noah as the protagonist. What? Wow! Process. Um, in the 18th issue of Katakata Shodan's uh, New Type Ace magazine, it's been. Uh, confirm that the manga is going to be an adaptation of uh, the Mobile Suit Gundam UC movie and the franchise, mm-hmm. and uh, that Bright's going to be the um, he's going to be the protagonist in there. So, nice. all you fans of Bright, uh, celebrate with uh, burgers and uh, make sure you have salt on those because we need salt, Captain. Oh well, my God! Well, when's it going to get animated? Fourteen. I got a pre-order. Is that before mm-hmm. or after Crossbone? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Sentinel oh, and Hathaway's Flash. Hathaway's Flash, yes. Thank you, Mr. Um, uh, Wielder, for your submission. Next one here comes from uh, oh, angry Australian Vent Noir. Oh, man. And, uh, the, the li- and this comes from the Anime News Network, and the live-action Gaikin Project's got a writer search and uh, looking for some special effects R&D, so... Guess they're uh, they're looking. The, the producer is uh, from such things as the Terminator, Aliens, and The Walking Dead. Gail and Heard, mm-hmm. and uh, also a form one of many former ex-wives of James Cameron. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. He's got a collection. Yeah, I I don't remember. 
I think he dumped her for Catherine Bigelow. I, f- I forgot his order wow. of, of trading up and dumping women, but she was one of the early ones. Goodness, man. Before he gets around. Or after Linda Hamilton? Uh, Little Hamilton, I think, was after Catherine Bigelow. So yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I think Gail Ann Hurd was the first one. You need like a flow chart. You do need a flowchart of a flowchart diagram. It's like at this point he was married to her. Then he started dating her. Then uh, did this like, movie and then met this one and blah blah blah. This dude loves people. paying alimony. Leaders <laughs> coming. <laughs> so thank you, uh, Mister Vent Noir, for your submission. So uh, which movie ends up coming out first in theaters? Live action Evangelion, Robotech, or Guy King? Oh. <laughs> I'll go with Guy King. <laughs> I'll bet you somehow, even though Evangelion and Robotech are so well-known, the Guy King movie gets made first. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> It'll just end up being that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I can imagine that. So, uh, all right. Well, thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. <gasps> the next one here is from Destiny Gundam, and he's taking Ooh. a little little shot at Chris in there. He says, uh, oh, shit. new Chris in the shell is a prequel major to be voiced by Maya Sakamoto. Chris, you have to mm-hmm. him. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in his own little Peter way, he uh, takes shots just like he always does. So, yes. The, well, uh, hmm. I, I won't say I'm happy about them changing the entire voice cast, but I can, I, I can deal with Maya Sakamoto. If, if you've got to give me a new voice for the major, she's, uh, she is a good choice. Yeah, and the, the article here is from the Anime News Network, and, of course, this is going to be a... Uh, four episodes, or saying here, four 50-minute parts. So it's probably going to be basically piece it together. It's just one big movie. Uh, the first one's going to be called Ghost Pain. It's going to run in Japanese theaters for two weeks starting in June 22nd. And the advanced Blu-ray copies have a bundled scenario book available at participating theaters for 8,000 yen or $85 US. It's so, pretty much mm-hmm. the exact same pattern with uh, Unicorn and uh, Akito. Yeah, because the uh, Blu-ray and DVD will be available July 26th. So, and then they also have the uh, show's cast listed there. So, and then and there's a little trailer for everybody out there. So definitely check out Peter's little uh, his link there for the new Ghosts in the Shell. So, well, next- I'll, I'll 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 say this one thing uh, for for Peter's benefit. Hey, Peter, Super Robot Wars. Oh, oh, and that's all I'll say. Take it. <laughs> And he knows to expect it, because we already talked about this, but I'm saying it anyway. <laughs> that old chestnut. <laughs> yep. But thank you. Anyways, Mr. Sneak Gundam. Next one here comes from EA Net, dude, and, the, and he's just got a link here of the first seven minutes of Gundam Unicorn Episode 6. Mm. So, uh, he's got the link there, and, and definitely check that out. And uh, next one here is uh, from Arbiter, and I'm not going to go too much into this, but it, I, just the way he's, uh, he, he presents this, he's, he's thinking he's a comedian, and I think he just needs to stick with um, Macross News. Uh, Damn. It's way, way too close for a real-life colony drop about those meteors that dropped in Russia. So, um, yeah, you're not funny. Um, and stick with what you know, kid. Don't quit your day job. Exactly. Keep Keep plugging that Macross. Keep plugging those planes. You'll never work in this town again if I say so. Damn. Yeah, I got... And it's like, you know, the thing is, when those meteors hit, though, the next day I had to break out Armageddon because now my second fear besides Robopocalypse is meteors falling from the Earth. So that's the, that's the beginning of the... Now I have 
a section next to the robot tomes is uh, the, the meteor tomes. Uh, well, hold up a second. Hmm. How do you know those asteroids aren't being thrown at us by alien robots? Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm. It's you all part of you, Operation Stardust. You, you know who you need to talk to? <laughs> you need to talk to History Channel aliens guy. There you go. You talking about? Oh, you talking about my man? Um. Oh, I forget his name now. But um, the guy with the bad tan and the crazy hair. Yes, yes indeed. Who looks like a Centauri from Babylon Five? Hell, yes, he does. <laughs> I don't know. Therefore, <laughs> aliens. Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen that show in between when I've been watching things of um, of Pawn Stars. Actually, on a side note. Uh, mm-hmm. I was watching an episode of Pawn Stars the other day, and the old man said one of the funniest things. He said, "You got a line." <laughs> he had a he had a hilarious line. Guess mm-hmm. uh, that big fat guy Chumbly got in trouble, and he's like, "All I know is Chumbly's the grass, his ass is grass, and I'm the lawnmower." Funniest <laughs> 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 things I've ever seen or I've ever heard. So that old uh, man's a genius, dude. <laughs> Genius. Next one here comes from Rodimus76, and I, I had to do this one. I know it's Star Wars news, and I, I was going to hold off, but uh, it, it's looking like there's been rumors, and I think it's been kind of since confirmed. Maybe, yes, I don't know. Chris could probably correct me on this, but uh, I guess um, the possibility of um, Han Solo in the new movie might be played by her. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> so is that is that still rumors or I? You know, I, everyone. Here's the just. I'm sick of the stuff. Um, you always see. You'll suddenly see like on a zillion blog like confirmed Harrison Ford showing up or confirmed this thing happening, and then a few hours later it's like no, it's not confirmed. It's just some rumor. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they're talking about it, but no, that that has not been confirmed. No, nobody has been confirmed. No Mark Hamill, no Carrie Fisher, no Han Solo. Nothing has been announced yet. Yeah. It's just people trolling for, for hits. It's just link bait. <laughs> trolling for hits. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's just these link bait articles. Hans, you know, Han Solo coming back for episode seven. That sounds like a, that sounds like a new music CD. Trolling for hits. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think it's funny, and I, the only reason why I did that so we could just do the uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that stuff is funny. <laughs> Next one here comes from Bertman Four, and uh, any of those people fortunate enough to visit Japan between the dates of March twenty third and May nineteenth, uh, there is a uh, Kunio Okawara. You guys, you guys may have heard of him. Uh, he's having uh, he's having uh, an exhibit of uh, a lot of his art. At the Haigo Prefecture Museum of Art, so um, yeah. we should have uh, our man Dale check that out because he will be in Japan. Oh yeah! Oh those wow! Dates. Oh good! Yeah, that's cool. awesome! Wow! What, what did he uh, did he get first class flight for five dollars? <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he he uh, he managed to use a coupon. He gets to sleep inside the Gundam. Oh, oh nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. He actually got a group on to uh, to have dinner with the uh, prime minister. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the deal came. Whoever uh, whoever is the prime minister, come uh, the yeah, end of next month. No, in Japan, yeah, they're rotating they, the monthly. They, they may have gone through five more by then. <laughs> Man, 
Mr. Burtman for for your submission. And the next one here is There's a lot of stuff. Now loading. No, no. There's just a lot of stuff here. Oh yeah, some some bad some bad death death news, and that's never good. And and this kind of coincides with one of the reviews we're going to be having here. And this comes from. Flame X, and it seems Chico Hondo, uh, voice actress, had passed away, and uh, she's um, done such roles as uh, as Blue and uh, Zeta Gundam. Uh, she's actually was in um, L Game, which we're going to be reviewing, and finding out that she was in L and Gundam X was kind of different. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I know that's her. So um, definitely, uh, that's that's some sad news. Um, and I don't think she was that old. So she was no. uh, would have been fifty this year. Yeah, wow, that's man, that's that's yeah. really that's still young, man. She was also in Heroes Greenwood, man. Holy sh- man, damn! <laughs> Blame the cancer. So um, that is the silent killer, man. I, but uh, God, God bless her, man. I'm, if anything, that makes me sad, especially after just watching L game, man. Yeah, getting hit with this news. That that sucks. Yeah, and after what Chris probably wish, was wishing her character would do. Oh damn! <laughs> At least the character lives on. Oh man! <laughs> Hold that, <laughs> Mr. Flame X, for that depressing news. But uh, it was a good tie into what we're going to be talking to today. And uh, thank you everyone for submitting. And like I said, because there, we had a little bit of longer hiatus, I had to go through a little bit more. And only- wait, there's uh, one last uh, bit of news that you should probably mention. Oh, is there? Yeah. Well, happy Chris from. from- uh, uh, Miami News Bureau. It's Chris Guanche with uh, no uh, from from uh, probably one of the last uh, posts someone made in the thread. Oh, what is some, it? Some some anime licensing news. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Oh, I see. Yeah. There we go. Just slacking on your job, Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> Media Blasters adding Super Robot Wars OG video and TV anime that they're gonna that they've licensed original. Robot, Super Robot Wars, Original Generation, the animation, and the Divine Wars television series. And they're going to release them separately in July. So, wow. Uh, yeah. And both projects are from, uh, are adapt the original characters from Band Presto, Super Robot Wars, tactical role playing games. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely some uh, big news there. Anything else that I missed, Chris? That, that, no, they just, might actually just be affordable now. Yeah, it's affordable now. I just want to mention that so we can all laugh at Peter. <laughs> and what's funny is he'll probably buy this version too. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn it, he'll be doubly into it. So, you know, I I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, because you know what they'll do is they'll give they'll put some uh, some some swag with it, and they'll be like, oh, I I have to get this. See, so no, will we kill I, me I, if it? This is media go- blasters. They're on death's door. There's there's not gonna be any swag. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's. Let's not kid ourselves. There's a good chance they might not even release this. Because oh, they've already, they've already canceled July. and delayed multiple releases over the last year or so. And it did say July. July yeah. There's <laughs> a long time between now and July. That's a, that's, that's a long time in the land of bankruptcy. So <laughs> That's enough time for them to just uh, disappear off the face of the earth. Yes, and, and that article was given to us by FlameX, so uh, I'll give him credit for that. So, but thank you, everyone, for your submissions. And uh, like always, if you have any news, uh, put them in the news listener submitted news articles thread in the Gundam section 
of the Mecha Talk Forum. And um, before we go to our first segment, oh, you know what it is. It's uh, probably one of the worst parts of Gundam, uh, Hopers and Dreamers, with uh, Soul Bro and Scris. Well, thank you for tossing it over in such a great fashion. Thank you. <laughs> right, 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 right now, I'm going to be putting uh, nails, rusty nails, in my eyeballs. See, so. so Neil poops in the Hopers and Dreamers corner and, and, and passes it on to me. That's that's dope. Uh, anyway, <laughs> welcome everybody to the Hopers and Dreamers corner, and um, we'll make this quick. Uh, we've got a few submissions today, and the first one is from. But not painless. You make it quick, but not painless. Oh no, it's it's always painful, sir. It's always painful. But um, the first submission is from Yazi eighty eight, and he writes, "I want to see Capcom actually work on other games and not rely on Resident Evil and the countless worthless expansions of expansions of Street Fighter." But even then, <laughs> is that a dig at you? I'm sure it is. is that I'm sure it is because with a because with, with an attack. Because apparently, I'm the man to shit on every day. But. Uh, <laughs> But even then, that's asking too much cause, uh, too much because uh, after Studio Clover got shut down, Crapcom, right, and, and he writes Crapcom, uh, oh. <laughs> has been in a major downward path in stagnation and relying far too much on overpriced and at times useless DLC to make a cheap buck instead of working on games that stand out and attract new players. They don't even have any talented people left to work on anything new either. <laughs> Man. Man, wow! This is the most uh, pessimistic hope I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, man, really. I, I, I don't know about a hope and dream, but uh, I, I guess he wants them to work on new IPs. I guess that's what we can translate from that. I can read between the lines, though. Yeah, there's um, so he's... much pessimism here. You think this guy runs MHQ or something? <laughs> yeah. to, oh, wow! <laughs> to be positive, positive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yazid, <laughs> Yazid, I got no, I got no ill will towards you, and I'm really what not an advocate. What's his uh, open dream? His open dream is that Capcom works on new IPs, basically. That's what uh -huh. he wants. Um, and he's, he's angry about uh, Capcom releasing you know, talented groups like Studio Clover, which later on became, uh, what's it, Platinum Studios? Wow. Yeah. Um, they became Platinum. And also they released uh, The Godfather of Mega Man, uh, K uh, KG and Afune. Um, a few, a few, about a year and some change ago, after he um, he told the company that you know you can't, Capcom can't continue following a Japanese model of business because the Americans and other countries are running away with uh, you know with, with game development. They're 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 thinking outside of the box. And he told Capcom this, and they had a falling out, and he left the company to start his own um, his own development firm. And uh, with that, they uh, stopped making Mega Man games. So he might be angry about that, too. I agree with him, honestly. I think Capcom needs to work on new IPs, to be honest with you. And um, I, I, I'm fine with the expansions of Street Fighter because, you know, they should still they should still make games that are, you know, that, that, that they know are going to sell well. Um, but I do want them to work on new IPs. Um, but just look at what happened with uh, EA a few years back. They worked on a bunch of new IPs and nobody bought them. Nobody bought shit. And Capcom, there was a, a few years no, where they worked on a bunch of IPs. Dead Space has proved yeah. to be successful. successful. Yeah, but yeah. Mirror's Edge is finally, finally got green-lighted for a sequel. But beforehand, that was dead in the water. No one went out and bought that game. That, the game's sales were abysmal, and that was a great oh, game. game. The game's not a, the perfect. I played that game. It's not It's the, not perfect, but it was worth, it was yeah, worth buying. I bought it. But the thing is, is it's not perfect. And, right. You know, and when it comes to that, too, I mean, 
a lot of it, uh, all this stuff ends up becoming a numbers game. Yeah. So that that's what it is. I mean, it just, and that game also came is, out in the holiday season at the same time yeah. as Dead Space and at the yeah. same time as Call of Duty at the same time as a zillion yeah. well-known things. And that's the same story every year, though, and it, it it doesn't stop people from buying it months down the line when it's on sale or something like that. You know, people can check that out. Yeah, but um, companies don't care about when it's on sale a few sale. months later. They yeah. care about yeah, that about opening exactly. couple of weeks or months. And pre-orders as well. And and, pre-orders. Um, and it's the same story with Capcom a few years back on the GameCube. They released a ton of new IPs like uh, Pro- PN03 and Killer7 and all sorts of other new IPs that nobody bought. And yeah, but I heard that PN03 was a bad game. Yeah, it wasn't that it great. Wasn't but Killer7 was real cool. And that, that was made by um the dude that does... uh. Oh, what's that game with that um Suda the guy 51. with the lightsaber? Suda fifty one, thank you. Um and that game was pretty quirky and and and, and, and innovative for its day. So yeah, but, but you said the you said it came out on GameCube. That's why it didn't sell too well. Well, but it also later <laughs> no. came out on PS two. Yeah. GameCube it's Resident Evil four came out on GameCube and it sold very well. So yeah, you know it's everybody bought GameCubes to play it. <laughs> <laughs> But these games came out after RE4, so the install base was there, and nobody picked it up. So I, I know when companies come up with new IPs, support the IPs. Piano 3 came out before Resident Evil 4. Yeah. Did it now? Okay, well, I sit corrected. <laughs> that's the one with the girl in the, that's the girl in the mecha suit or whatever. Or the- yeah, the white, the white suit, Vanessa something, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, when companies come up with new IPs, not just Capcom, but any company, uh, take an interest in it and check it out. Um, you know, pick those games up because if you want new IPs to come out there, um, you got to support them when they roll out the door. Just look at Darksiders. Darksiders, whoo, that game, as good as the the two games were, they really didn't sell all that well. And that's a damn shame. But, um, I'll toss it over to you fellas. Yeah, true. (laughs) Well, I I have a few, I have a few, uh, words to say about Capcom. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. That is, if you hope for it, it can happen. And the way that it can happen is if you bow down to the scrolls. Oh, shit. (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. Oh, my God. We've been invaded. We can (laughs) worship the might of the queen. (laughs) We've been replaced. Damn it. I knew it. Where where is Chris? Where where did you put the real Chris? Pitiful fools in your video games and anime and your hopes and dreams. You can only hope <laughs> to live and serve the queen and the scroll empire. Filthy humans. Pitiful scum, huh? Well, we, we, we've got to take up arms, Neo. We got to, man. This is worse than the, uh, this is worse than the robot invasion. <laughs> yeah, th- this is actually worse than when we thought Chris was actually hoping and dreaming. <laughs> oh my god. We got to bust out the alien tomes. Don't don't really have the alien tomes, but oh my gosh, I'm, I'm still more <laughs> still more concerned with robots than I am aliens. <laughs> hey man, <laughs> we have robots too. Oh See, the, no, hand in no hand, kid. son. I'm, I'm, it's on. <laughs> it's on. <laughs> Give us back, Chris. Nice. We are your heroes now. <laughs> well, um, most of our heroes get trapped in scandals, <laughs> lying about things. <laughs> oh oh my gosh. So does this mean that does this mean that regular Chris will be returned to us so we don't have to go through uh through through um hoping and dreaming Chris? Are you are you gonna at least give him give him back to us before you conquer us, Mr. Chris Scroll? I'm sick of this podcast and your hopes and dreams. <laughs> <laughs> but you will all bow down to the scrolls. We'll see about that with our next hope and dream here. <laughs> From none other than uh what's uh, that? We've oh. unveiled them. 
We have unveiled him. We we pulled the we pulled the 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 mask off, and uh, now he's uh, he's out in full bloom. But uh, thank you, Yazi eighty eight, for that insightful uh, hope and dream, or or, or lack thereof. And um, we move on to the next hope and dream from Music Fighter, and uh, he writes or or she writes, my greatest hope and dream is that we'd get some more novels translated into English and released over here. My highest hopes are for the advance of Zeta and High Streamer. Man, um, I, I'm 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 down for that idea, but Advance uh, Zeta. That I forgot about Advance Zeta because that that's up there with uh, Crossbone and and Sentinel and everything like that. Now, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I'm down for any 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 um any Gundam novels or whatnot to be translated. There's a whole universe of uh, Gundam that we don't get exposed to that uh, that's come out in Japan, and and to see that brought over here in English would be nice. I don't know if any company's going to expand uh, put money into it, but. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a nice hope and dream. I, maybe one of these days they'll prove us wrong. But um, any thoughts, fellas? Hey, guys. Um, open. I, I, I got to clean up my reputation here. Mm-hmm. So um, Gundam novels in English, high streamer, <laughs> advance of Zeta. Come on. Is, is this a joke? Yeah, exactly. Oh, shit. <laughs> exactly. Damn. Nah, I don't mean, I don't mean to uh, crap on, on this guy in particular, but I got to make up for lost time here, being having mm-hmm. been replaced all that time. Oh damn! Oh, you're back! Oh my God, you fought him off. Good yeah. stuff, man. Did you kill him? <laughs> no, he got away. But see, the funny thing is, it only happened during this segment. Oh yeah. man! I would always wake up after the news, feeling all groggy and not understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then I started listening to the episodes, and I hear all these hopes and dreams for me, and I, I, I was so shocked. <laughs> you fell into a catatonic state. <laughs> so now that I'm back, the uh, happy times are over. Oh man, it's over, back, man! Damn, gloom. the party is done. <laughs> but go ahead, man. Embellish on uh, on on uh, on the thoughts of Music Fighter. Uh, why would anyone care to release this here? Ooh, if damn. we if we could just barely get five thousand people to pre-order Origin, who the hell is gonna spend any time and money translating complete novels yeah. with all yeah, that damn. text? It's gonna be bought by who? Three people. Ooh, ouch, ouch! You raise a good point. <laughs> yeah, because uh, new, newsflash to everybody, and this is actually goes to the previous uh, previous hope and dream too. Uh, these companies are in the business of making money, so when they release things, they're not doing it because they they're doing it for the fans. Because if they did everything for the fans, they'd, they'd all be in bankruptcy corp. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, hope and dream denied. And actually, if you wanted anything to come from Gundam, isn't there better? Isn't there better stuff that they could bring over uh, than Advance Zeta and all that? I, I, I saw like a scan the of gazillion first... uh, wonky-looking oh. prototypes of every damn thing from Zeta. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Stuff that doesn't even look like it belongs in Zeta. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Definitely. So um, yeah, I don't. Hope and dream denied, crushed. It's good to have you back, Chris. Next hope and dream to crush. It's it's good to be back. Oh, man, look at that. He fell right back into place like he never left. (laughs) But we we got our last hope and dream. Uh, And thanks again to Music Fighter for for his submission. Um, Last submission is from none other than our friend and our our man in the mix, uh, Dalo Relance. And uh, he submitted a... uh, this hope and dream. It starts off with, I want every Val- Valkyria Chronicles fan to realize that the PSP game, Val- Valkyria Chronicles 3, is not coming to the States. 
I know that many so-called fans blame Sega that they ruined the series by putting the series on PSP in the first place or making Valkyria Chronicles 2 a high school sort of story. I want those fans to know that it was they who ruined a good thing because they didn't buy the VC2 and didn't support a good game when they had the chance to do so. And now they complain that VC3 is not in the West. No, the fans are the ones to blame as they did not buy it or just pirated it. Sega is not going to release a game that does not sell as that uh, that does not sell as that is bad business, and business is about making money. Good job in ruining a great series, fans. Sincerely yours, Dollar Lance. Boy, this shit is getting bitter today. Oh, God damn! I'm, I'm so proud. <laughs> I'm proud, son. If, if you were my son, I would say, son, you done good. Man, a little dose of reality. Damn, damn, dollar. Good shit. Um, good Thank shit. For a steak dinner. Man, damn. Man, I mean, you can't beat that logic, man. If people are not out there buying the previous iterations of the games, don't expect to see a sequel. <laughs> Do not. <laughs> it's it's got to sell as well or better than the previous rendition. Even if you don't like it as much, if you got faith in the series, you want to see further uh, iterations of it, buying the previous game is usually the best chance of uh having that happen and it looks like that didn't work out for valkyria chronicles here in the states so you got to import it and hold that l <laughs> any felt other fault any, any other thoughts fellas i started blacking out myself because you go. The, the hopes and dreams are they're crazy well all right well all right well, i guess we've had our fill <laughs> thank you everybody who submitted including dollar relance and uh i turned the mic back over to neo all right. Well, thank you for that disgusting segment, uh, Solbro. <laughs> and how? Um, it's good to have Chris back because now um, we can go. We can get, we can go full attack when some of these uh, ridiculous and stupid uh, hopes and dreams uh, come through the clog up our internet. So um, it's good to have you back. It's good good to have you back, Chris and uh, Solbro. Oh. The, the, this this these legions is a followers man this is a dangerous thing i don't i don't know what's more dangerous the hopers and dreamers or the crossroad crew oh uh, wow I, 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 pretty much right <laughs> we're gonna have a revolution like daba like daba my road let's go revolution yeah and, and um that's <laughs> i'll be the placebo uh, who crushes you nice. exactly <laughs> So, what am I, full flat? <laughs> <laughs> she lived to her name. She was true to her name. <laughs> you, you are an 80-year-old woman. <laughs> Thank you. I wanted to be an 80-year-old woman. I'd rather be the major from uh, from Ghost of the Shell. So, <laughs> But, um, well, that's a, that's a good segue to our uh, next segment here. So we'll be going on into our review of Heavy Metal L Game. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Podcasting is king. You are listening to Gundam at MAHQ. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. 
in the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. I can't believe Game & Morpher gave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? You need to fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerd ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only covered major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news, big and small. And don't forget our other podcast where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop and second opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Brandon was just a dork who wanted to shoot lightning out of his hands like Gundam Ryu from Street Fighter. <laughs> So I waved my magic wand and brought this lightning bolt legend out to Hollywood, where the nerd always gets the girl. All right, here we come. The time for Engine! Welcome back, everybody, to Gundam at MAHQ. This is uh this is Soul Bro and uh we're finally gonna be getting into our review this episode and we're talking about yet another Yoshiyuki Tomino anime series. And you bet believe it involves Mecha. This series that we're talking about today premiered in nineteen eighty four and um it fell actually production wise in between um uh, Battler Dunbine and Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam. And you might see little hints of both those shows in this show. Um, and the show is none other than Heavy Metal L Game. That's right. Um, this series was not only uh, directed by Yoshiyuki Tomino, but um, also the characters and the mecha were designed by none other than Mamoru Nagano, who went, went on to work on the Five Star Stories and other projects as well, um, which is heavily inspired by Heavy Metal L Game. So if you're a fan of that um, series, then you definitely want to check this show out. Um, just to describe the story in short, uh, it uh, involves, and yes, indeed. <laughs> that's, that's the story. The protagonist of the show is none other than Daba My Road, and he is a kind of it starts out the series as a journeyman along with his boy uh, Cal. Um, he's got the the greatest Elvis hairdo in all of anime. <laughs> 
But uh, they're both pretty much he's traveling. Got, he's got commute. Oh, you're talking Kyle. Yeah, yeah, Kyle. I was, I was thinking Daba. Daba's got. He's got, he's, he's oh, got no. a Pompadour rivaled only by the guy from Redline. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like you scare your mess. You mess. You eat your heart out. But yeah, uh, only rivaled by the guy from uh, Redline is right, and those two are are pretty much traveling through the wastelands of the uh, the desert. Um, I don't know if it's a desert planet, but the planet that they're on. What's the, what's yeah, the name the of that planet? planet? Spice. Uh, <laughs> but um, the planet that the series starts out on with what's that? Oh. Cohen, that's right, that's right. And did you watch that, the show? <laughs> I did watch the show. I just I'm, I'm having trouble remembering the name of the planet. But um, anyway, they uh, run into some desert bandits. One of them um is uh, leads them astray. It's a uh, a young girl by the name of uh, Amu, uh, who is an aspiring actress, but uh, she pretends to be a girl in um being pursued by these desert bandits and tries to uh get Cal to leave the 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 vehicle that he's driving which also has on board the Elgheim which is a um a suit of um uh, it's a heavy metal which is what they call the mobile suits in this series and um it's a custom suit created by a um a long de- a descendant of the uh Yaman clan which is uh almost extinct in this series they're kind of like a they're kind of like the persecuted race kind of like um not that this is fiction but you know we we've seen um We've seen things of genocide in this world, and uh, the the race of the um, Yaman was uh, almost wiped out, and um, they had access to great technology and and created great uh, heavy metals back in the day. But um, their plans go awry, and um, Amu gets a, a what is it a a change of heart when she meets Daba My Road. And sorry, are we um, talking about the series or just the first episode here? We're, we're, I'm just I'm just I'm, I'm setting things episode. up. But um, after that whole incident, Amu joins up with uh, Daba My Road and uh, uh, Kyo, and uh, they end up going on a pursuit to find a mysterious guy named uh, Amandra Kamand- uh, uh, <laughs> Kamandra and return to him a, a card that's uh, worth a lot of money. And then they get brought into a uh, a rebel uh, a rebel um, rebel scout uh, a, re- a rebel campaign. That is uh, fighting against the established empire, the um, the uh, Posado Empire, which uh, has taken over all five planets in the Pentagon uh, system, which is uh, pretty much the the setting for the series. And the rest of the series is Daba My Road leading a a rebel assault, <laughs> a rebel assault on the uh, on the rebel Posado assaults. Empire. Gina, Indeed, people died bringing this information to us. <laughs> Many uh, Bothans died to bring it. Oh yeah, yeah I forgot Is what it? they were called. Yes. <laughs> throughout throughout their journey, they also um they also bring aboard a uh, Fiorine, I mean a fairy by the name of Lilith, who may look very familiar to a character in uh in um uh, Dunbine, uh, and which was familiar. and sound familiar too, uh, voiced by the same actress, and also a former soldier uh, of the of the uh, of the uh, Posado military. Her name is uh, Leshy, and she was part of a group called the Elite 13, um, and she defects in order to join Daba on his crusade. And um, other other interesting people also show up as well, but um, I'll pass it over to Chris to give some of his impressions on the series. Chris, you going to talk more about stinks. the first episode? <laughs> 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 Do you like cake? Buy some. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> no. Um, you know, it's interesting about 
Elgheim is that uh, for a Tamino show, but even for a Mecha show, it doesn't quite follow the sort of generic path that a lot of shows do. Mm-hmm. You think about it, most of the Mecha shows at this time and even now are young civilian gets pulled into the crossfire of this destructive war and is fighting to survive. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have goals that they're fighting for and they have a cause they believe in, but they basically just want to live. Absolutely. Whereas Daba is completely the opposite. He ends up becoming the focus of this rebellion against Pesedo, who has ruled over this system for uh, more than 60 years. And if you really look at his background, he basically is Shar if Shar had gone the other way. Oh, wow. That's a good point. Because they both came from ruling families that were killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both want to get revenge. They both have uh, sisters who, because of their beliefs, end up being on opposite sides of the conflict. Mm-hmm. The only difference is that Daba didn't join the Pesedo military to try to sneak in and get close to Pesedo, which his dying father told him he could do but didn't recommend. So I wanted that sort of a little, <laughs> a little nod there to Shar because they are kind of the same in that respect with their backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And you kind of watch Daba grow from just being this sort of... Um, happy-go-lucky guy who ends up becoming the leader of this rebellion and just the symbol of, hey, we can stand up against Pesedal and her overwhelming military and she's not invincible and if this guy can do it with just this one heavy metal and this one ship and this bitchy girl, then why can't we? <laughs> <laughs> A lot of truth to that, yeah. However, um, there are some things about Daba that do bother me mm-hmm. as, as a main character. <clears throat> And one of them is that you have Amu and Lessi constantly fighting for his attention because they are both in love with him. And it puzzles me because he doesn't even show any interest in either of them at all. No, not at all. Throughout this entire show. <laughs> there are some slight, uh, there's some slight exceptions, but... Um, every hey, once in a while, he throws them like a bone, a bone. and by that, I mean like a twig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah. they're constantly jockeying for his affection as though anything that either of them does has any chance of succeeding. Mm-hmm. Especially Amu, who is just so, and this is an anime trope I hate, she's so fiercely jealous and protective of him as though he was her boyfriend. Oh, yeah. But he's not. And she's constantly yelling at Lessie to the point of being so damn annoying. You want her to die, but you know she won't. Nope. She's like, oh, you're just here because you're in love with Daba. It's like, hey, you stupid bimbo, why What's your story? Why are you here, Amu? <laughs> like, you have any legitimate reason to be here. So, I get annoyed when watching the show that they're just constantly squabbling in front of him, including even when they're under attack, and he does nothing to stop it. He doesn't just put either of them in their place and say, look, you stupid girls, we're getting shot out here. Stop fighting over me. I don't care about either of you. I'm gay. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Not that he is, but it would be a way to uh, to end all of the the feuding. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah, Amu was convinced she could ungay him, <laughs> which she probably would be convinced that she could do. But it's just really it just gets old seeing these two girls constantly argue over him, and he just does nothing to stop it. Every once in a while, tells him to shut up, but he never puts a stop to it in any meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And it only stops when Lessie leaves the ship. Mm-hmm. And uh, number two, something that we see throughout the course of the story is that we're introduced to Daba's half-sister, Kuwasan Olibi. Mm-hmm. And he's constantly trying to rescue her. 
And it annoys me that whenever her name pops up or whenever he sees her or whenever there's anything involving her, he just becomes completely stupid. Yeah. And is just single-mindedly focused on rescuing her to uh, the detriment of all of his plans and everything with the rebellion. And he's just so focused on her that he forgets about everything else. And he constantly puts himself in danger as the leader of the rebellion, which is just really irresponsible of him to do. Mm-hmm. And it just never stops until the very end of the series when finally, you know, he, he um, you know, puts her in other people's hands. But it gets annoying that constantly he's always just running off to rescue her or try to rescue her and completely loses it. Oh, definitely. It, yeah. That's a, it's that sister complex, man. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Camille suffered from it, too. <laughs> I have more to say, but I'll turn it over to others. Well, Neo, have at it, sir. Yeah, um, you know, uh, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty good show and all, but yeah, there there are a lot of things that are kind of stupid on that. I, I do have to uh, second Chris's whole issue with uh, Obelay when she first shows up and, you know, throughout the rest of the series after uh, her initial meeting with Daba in there, Daba just becomes a complete idiot and really um, probably should have been killed probably about two or three times within this uh because of just how stupid he was and um you know the, the things with amu and Lacey get really old and they get old really quick uh especially amu i mean there, there's a point throughout this show probably very early in the show where every episode you're wanting uh, amu to get killed and you're like damn it I, she, she lives another episode because she's just so annoying and i'm so daba, 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 daba. it's like oh my god <laughs> um, and you know, Daba, he, he, I don't think he really cares for anyone because there's a point where, uh, the little fairy, uh, Lilith gets sick and it's like on death's door. And this guy's like, oh, well, you know, don't, don't waste your, t-, and, and all, all like cow and all these people are going over to see how she's doing. He's like, oh, don't waste your time. You know, she lives, she lives. And it's like, damn, this dude just doesn't care about anything except Oboli. And then when he does, he just becomes a complete retard with that. Uh, <laughs> put, put, uh, sanction in there, too, uh, with that is Dapa's nemesis, or the uh, probably one of the pinnacles of the loser villains, uh, Gabo Gable. Oh, um, yes. Wow, talk about um, wow the epitome of the loser villain who just... Uh, <laughs> well, let's, and, let's get into how it is that he even becomes a loser villain, because this is pretty, yeah. pretty out there. He steals their food. Yes, exactly. he eats their stew, exactly. and then refuses to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, He's a hater from Joe, and then becomes Daba's mortal enemy mm-hmm. after stealing <laughs> Daba's stew. And and then and then and, and and then after a while, when Daba just continuously beats him every time, because every episode is like with this with this uh, uh, fill in the blank mobile suit, I gavel gavel will beat. The L game. Damn you, L game. <laughs> you know, he's pushed to the side. I mean, he's not as bad as the Buff Clan people, but he's pretty close because they, they, those guys would actually die. This guy made it. And then it got to a point where every time Gavile showed up, Daba's just like, oh, why are we doing this? Like, <laughs> and, of course, you know, uh, Gavile gets stupid. And uh, he, he gets, he gets the same Olaby sickness. Gets the same Olaby <laughs> sickness where you get a point where she's been kidnapped by this uh, guy, Guaza, Guazin. And mm-hmm. um, these guys are actually fighting uh, with each other initially to see who can 
save her because he's Gabriel. Be, oh, I'm the one that's going to save uh, Coruscant, and uh, you know, um, uh, Daba's like, no, 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 and then they finally kind of come to a consensus and, uh, and and all of that. But yeah, it's just it's just so dumb. And uh, Gablay, uh, unlike most loser villains, there's two things that kind of sets him apart from most other loser villains is he doesn't have an extended uh, disappearance from the story. He's pretty much in every episode. And maybe there's maybe one or two episodes he doesn't really show up. But for the most part, he's always there. And uh, he makes it in the end. <laughs> he, uh, he definitely... Uh, he, he survives. He, he survives. goes from being a loser villain to annoying friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> o- overbearing, annoying friend who's always there. And um, uh, for for a uh, you know for mecha shows, you're always going to have weird people. But L game has got like a disproportionate amount of just really weird people. Just a lot of weird stuff going on in this show. Um, one of the other things that I did not like about this is there there's um the show did not have the series did not have to be 54 episodes long because uh there especially once they get into space uh there's quite a few episodes of just uh fighting for no reason just a battle to have a battle and or two full episodes devoted to hey hashimoja betrayed us to yeah. the sato military we can't trust that guy now let's bring him back in exactly yeah <laughs> freaking space cockroach that guy yeah, that guy, oh, jeez. But, yeah, you, you got that. You just got some weird people. I mean, Poseidon's weird. Uh, Armor, what is it, Anamana, whatever that guy's name is, he's weird. Mandra. Uh, Andra, he's weird. Um, Full Flat's weird. Lily. Uh, Lily's weird. Kind of a lot of the people in this Elite 13 squad, um, they're all just bizarre people. Um, what is it, uh, Nay, she was freaking weird. And, uh, go, and she loves her. Uh, she loves her space chairs. Yeah, <laughs> that was another thing I'm gonna get to because um, the, the way you get in most of these mobile suits is uh, like uh, you know in in the L game it was it, it was like a little hover bike type of deal, mm-hmm. and uh, the Poseidon army for a while there they had these little like hover chairs where they'll hover around. And then they'll go all the way up like, uh, you know, 40 meter tall robot. And, of course, in, in this, um, most of the, I think most are probably just about all the heavy metals, the cockpits are all on the head. Uh, so, I mean, these people are going up very high in these, uh, these weird chairs. I mean, there even comes a point where I think uh, Nay and even uh, a lot of these people, there's points where they even get out of their mobile suits and they're, they're fighting with, uh, in their little hover chairs. So it's just <laughs> hover hover chairs. <laughs> I mean, they're just just really bizarre, um, you know. So and, and then you know, but other than that, the, the the stories it's it's good for the most part. Um, it's nothing super fantastic. You're you're not going to be completely blown away. It's not one of these things that's going to make you kind of think at the end, go, wow, wow, you know what? If this would have happened, it's just like. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's, 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 it's a pretty solid story, but a lot of things like the really just weird, annoying characters in Amu. Oh God, Amu. Oh, but, um, you know, but I'll, uh, I'll put this back to, uh, Solbro for some of his thoughts on this. Cause oh. I, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure that this will be, uh, I'm sure we'll see Sweden in action here. Sweet, Sweden in action. Well, you always think the best of me. All yeah. right. <laughs> 
I mean, I, I enjoyed the show for the most part. Um, I I had a lot of problems with it. Um, you know, I I uh, well, I'll, I'll start off with the positives. I like how lighthearted the show is. I, I know that Tomino has a, a penchant for changing kind of the the tone of his shows. He alternates the tone of his shows um, from release, and you know, Dunbine pretty much had a really really uh, killer ending. No pun uh, pun pun highly intended. <laughs> Um, you know, there was a lot of death and destruction throughout Dunbine. And um, since this was the series that followed that, I know you wanted kind of a, a change of pace and tone. So, you know, you have a, a, a huge case of G.I. Joe syndrome in the series where when um, people are fighting other people that uh, all the pilots magically eject from their cockpits, at least in the, the majority of the they series. fall out of the cockpits as yeah. the robot is exploding. Exactly. <laughs> it happens a lot in this show. They yeah. get thrown out like they're all Patrick, uh, what was it, Patrick uh, from uh, Double, Double O, how yes. every time his suit blow, blows up, he manages to get thrown out, that everybody ha- happened to be that lucky in this show. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of people, uh, especially on Earth, they were mm-hmm. doing this without the benefit of like a spacesuit or, you know, they were just in normal uniforms or just normal clothing. So it was like, wow, how? I mean, they, they just come out unscathed. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a little weird. I, I, I've got to say that I love the mecha designs in the series as well as the uh, character designs. You know, they, they definitely took the heavy metal part of Heavy Metal L game and ran with it. Um, not so much like based on Heavy Metal magazine, but just everybody looked like a rocker in this series <laughs> of some sort. Just look at Gavilet. And is, he looks like he's straight out of a, a hairband in the 80s. And, um, you know, all sorts of other people, full flat with their flock of seagulls haircut. And, you know, just everybody was representing well, crazy dudes. Everybody yeah. in the 80s. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> look that. Everybody looking like they're fresh out of Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> I mean, they, they and Duran Duran. They also had all the dirty punks at the beginning. Hell with, yeah, man! Uh, that group that uh, Amu was with. That, you know, I think I think the only thing those people were missing were spare tires somehow on their wardrobe. <laughs> uh, you know, that was that was the only thing they were missing. So. And spiked shoulder pa- and spiked shoulder pads. Yeah, but <laughs> I think there were some Mohawks there. Yeah, there were absolutely. Mohawks, but there were no spiked shoulder pads. So that's. That's a deficiency. If you if you love some Mad Max, you might be right at home at the beginning of this series. But um, the music was great too. I, I don't know who the composer was for this series, but um, some guy, it, some guy. Uh, actually, the, I, I'm looking here that it's the same composer as Zeta, Sh- Sh- Shigaki uh, Sagusa. So mm-hmm. um, and it, it did sound very sim- uh, similar to the to the compositions of Zeta. So uh, I really like the soundtrack in this show. Um, the other thing I liked a lot, well, actually, those are like the, the main things I really did enjoy. Some of the things I didn't really, uh, like all that much was the clunky plot. Um, it, it did have a feel of a journey when you watch the show, cause they're hopping from planet to planet, but some things just happened just to happen. And, um, some characters were just introduced and nothing was done with them. Uh, and some characters were just introduced out of the blue, like that Kua-san. sort of happens in every Tamino show. It, it, it does, but in this show, it's 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 more noticeable than anything. Kuasan is one of those characters. You know, all of a sudden, um, Daba has a, a half sister, and she's getting introduced like you know halfway through the series instead of like any kind of um, allusion to her like earlier on in the show would have been would have been pretty would have been cool because you know she's she becomes a crucial character in the latter half of the series. So you know. For them to just drop her in there, kind of, you know, it just, it just didn't, it just didn't feel right. 
Um, at least you not to me. Never get any explanation for how it is even that they came apart and how mm-hmm. she ended up as Poseidon's biosensor. Exactly. No backstory. She just is. It's like, well, how did how did they how did they uh, how did they part ways? <laughs> and that would have made a great OVA episode, but uh, we got like denied that. that. <laughs> But um, yeah, uh, that um, the series, of course, as many, many Tomino series and anime series in general, the, this one suffered from rush ending syndrome. You know, you could see how much was crammed in the last two episodes. And this show had a 54 episode run. They could have balanced this out a little bit better, especially with, uh, as, as Neo had mentioned, there were a lot of filler episodes. Oh. They could have kind of dedicated that more to um, plot, plot elements that needed to be introduced. Uh, um, there's also, as I mentioned, aimless characters and uneven ambitions. Um, one of the episodes that stands out in my mind is the one where the daughter of the leader of the bandits shows up and yeah. she's fooled into thinking that, um, Daba killed her mother early on in the episode when it was really that scumbag, um, what's his name? Hasha? Hasha Mort, the the yeah, space Hasha cockroach. The yeah. space cockroach. And man, I, I, I'm surprised he survived to the end of the series. And I was hoping in that episode when she finds out that he was the killer of her mother, or at least she starts to put the pieces together, that he would meet his end. But of course, that didn't happen. And you never really see her again until the last episode with that one guy that looks like Laurent Shahak. From from Turnay Gundam, <laughs> he was one of the uh, the rebels. You see them for like a brief second in the last episode, and it's like, what happened to her character? She would have been pretty interesting if she joined up with um with uh, Daba Maro's crew because she had a really cool ability where she can and control. Think that maybe she would, because it kind of yeah. looks like it would, and then eh, never mentioned again. They meant they pointed out so many times that her ability to control other machines as she's actually piloting one was a unique ability. And she being part of that crew would have been would have been amazing. And I thought she might have turned up again and might have gotten turned to their side and been another uh, ally in that in that rebellion, especially after she was used by the Posado military in the way that she was. Um, but she never showed up again. I'm assuming that's what she was doing in the background because she's with the rebels when you see um, in the final episodes. But Another wasted uh, character. Full Flat was a character that I had a problem with. You really didn't know what her ambitions were at first, and I love the fact that she was mysterious. I don't think even she knew what her ambitions were. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think so either. Oh my yeah. gosh. She was like, um, what's the word? She was bipolar, man. I mean, at, at the end, I could see what she was trying to do, and she was you know, trying to tell him that this Im- immortality is, is a fallacy. And, and, and um, Full Flat went flat. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> She lived up to her name <laughs> and aptly died. Um, I guess the last thing I'll point out is there's a lot of parallels to this series um, uh, f- with this series to um, Aura Battler, Dunbine, and Zeta. Um, of course, uh, Neil pointed out that they each each of those series have loser villains. Gavlet's probably the best one out of the three. Um, uh, the, you have characters who change sides. Best, uh, in, best in what way? Best, um, best loser villain because... But, I mean, the best loser villain, if you're saying for the, the you know, to be the, the mm-hmm. icon, if you look, you know, the Michael Jordan of loser villains, uh-huh. it's still Burn Bernie's. He's the most pathetic. Well, <laughs> if, if, if we're giving awards, shouldn't it technically then be worst loser villain? Yeah, I, I, I would say best loser villain. But it, yeah, I, it, I'll, is. it is I'll, because he's, he's the best at being the He's the best the at worst. being the worst. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's the best at being the worst because he actually has a redemption. And there's a quality to his character that they always keep an eye on. He's a noble dude, and he does the right things sometimes. And although he's intent on... Do. 
Yeah, except for stealing stew. But, you know, he has a conscience and they make they make a point of pointing that out throughout the series. And I love that fact about his character. And there's times where he could have killed Daba and he just relented because, you know, um, had those he, skills. He had <laughs> he relented because he didn't really have the skills to do it. Oh, he didn't want to take advantage of the situation in the way that um, the way that it presented itself. You know, he had a, he had a kind of a code like Omar from The Wire. <laughs> Dude, don't you compare Gavlet to, to freaking Omar. Hey, man, it's a, a man must have a code, and Gavlet had one. So, you know, he may steal people's stew, but he, he still was he was still chivalrous, and um, he's all about the ladies, which was cool. Um, and Omar this, wasn't. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. So Omar was far from that. <laughs> you're, you're, you're on thin ice here, buddy. You're on thin nice. ice. Nice. This series also had characters that changed sides early on. Um, Zeta had Emma Sheen. This series had Gal Laheshi. Um, and uh, she was a really cool character. I, I enjoyed the character a lot, especially when Emma she decided was. to... Was. Was. <laughs> it was cool to see her actually leave and her character develop when she uh, left to go to the, uh, the whale and became the... you don't see that development. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you really don't. Yeah, yeah. She and then just, when she comes back, she's demoted to a supporting character. Even exactly. though she yeah. has a sexy outfit. Yeah, but she looked. Yeah, she she came back gorgeous though. Um, yeah, the series of both both series of well, Dunbine in this series have uh, Fiorine or fairies. Um, Dunbine had Cham Fowl, and this series has Lilith Fowl, who are voiced by the same um, uh, voice actress as well. Um, also, the same voice actress does the voice of uh, Gal Laheshi as well. Um, uh, as I pointed out earlier, Rosamia and uh, Rosamia from Zeta Gundam and Kuasan almost serve the same purpose, where they they give the main character a sister complex, and they become idiots anytime they're around them. <laughs> well, even uh, Camille doesn't become an idiot about yeah, Rosamia. Yeah, he, way. and in the end, he killed her because yeah, he had necessary. to put her down. Yeah, so Daba would have never done the same thing. No, he wouldn't. He would have gotten he would, himself killed. He would have let everyone die before killing Olaf. Yeah, because let, let's put it in this way. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. The end of this show, even though he has both uh, Lacey and Amu wanting him so bad, he, the guy just ups and leaves she to go with Obele, with, uh, and she's completely batshit at this point. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he goes off and... You know, it, it it reminded me of the end of Double Zeta. I mean, it it wasn't an odd pairing like uh, Judo and Ruruka just going off to Jupiter together, but it just kind of reminded me of that. Like, oh, hey, Daba and his crazy-ass sister are going to leave, and I guess we'll never see you again. And, yeah, it's just <laughs> like, it's just, you sit there and you're like, what the hell? Yeah. So. <laughs> and that, that's another point I wanted to bring up. Um, at the end of this series, spoiler alert, there's a reversal of who becomes a caretaker to another character. Um, in Zeta, it was Fa taking care of Camille after he gets uh, brain raped. And uh, in this series, it's Daba taking care of his half-sister, Kuasan after she recovers from being a puppet of... Uh, of Poseidon and she's kind of like a she's just has the mental capacity of a child at that point as they point out so all the the women that were after him uh end up both losing out <laughs> and, and, and I just say that Chris yeah yes. I'm just I'm just I, 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 I know you said that but I, I just wanted to I just wanted to, to I just wanted I, to emphasize it by yeah. restating the exact same thing <laughs> well no I just I just wanted to I well it was on my list so I just wanted to bring it up sorry uh, oh, <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't know I was uh, I just, was, just I was screwing me up man list. <laughs> 
what, what you say uh, is not as important as on his list. Hey, man, I'm, I'm almost done. Um, there's a few more things to foreshadow to uh, to Zeta, like the design of the Mark II, the, the L-Game Mark II. Uh, it has a Wave Rider mode, which, of course, the Zeta also did. And then um, I, I joked about this on Twitter while I was watching the show. But if you look at the design of Gablet Gavile and the way he's drawn and the way his character, his color schemes are in his suit, he looks like he's cosplaying the Zeta Gundam. <laughs> and it, I never course, noticed until you said that, and then I couldn't stop seeing it. Yeah, it's like you look at the red thing on his chest and his cockpit, his codpiece. Blue and cloak. his blue cloak with the with the yellow with the yellow undercolor and 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 you know it just he looks like a, a he's cosplaying a Zeta Gundam and that just cracked me up every time I saw him. Um, and uh, one of the things we talked about before uh, we actually started recording, just the last my last point, is that um, I guess a lot of Tomino series share a lot of voice actors between them. And this series is no different. <laughs> um, some of the voice actors you'll find are um, Tomo, Tomomichi Nishimura. He played the voice of, uh, um, God, I always forget this Gawaza. guy's name. Gawaza. And uh, in Zeta, he was the voice of uh, Jamatov Hyman, uh, both heavies in their respective shows. Um, you've got uh, the voice of Lilith Fowl, um, who is voiced by... Uh, Let's not go through everybody's actions. Yeah. But yeah, there's a, here, but there's, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a, voice there's a lot of voice actors carry over. One, one of note, and this will be the last one to point out. Unless is, you uh, had a list, why, why, why are you forgetting <laughs> what the people do if you have a list? Uh, <laughs> the, the last voice, good list. The no, last, oh, who did this God, list? God damn! And, and the the ripping continues. Um, Cal, the character of Cal was voiced by uh, Hocho Otsuka, who also voiced. Um, uh, damn it, uh, Yazan Gable in Zeta Gundam, and um, you can definitely hear and it in his voice. More than that, because he was also Chibity Crockett and yeah. Gavin Goonie. Yeah, so he's he's been a long time staple in Gundam, and um, that's it for my uh, I guess my thoughts on the the series. Um, uh, any um, I, we won't rate it at this point. We'll rate it towards the end of the review, but uh, I guess we should move on to the uh, the OVA. Well, wait, I, I, I wasn't done. Oh. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, sir. I still have I still have more things to talk about. Oh, go ahead, throw it in, man. Go ahead. So broad it as usual. I did, I did. You're welcome. <laughs> so, a couple of things about the show that stuck out to me. Uh, mm-hmm. You all mentioned some of these uh, things that are just go randomly unexplained, one-off characters. One event that stuck out to me: this whole random thing that happens when uh, they're at Palarta Star, the asteroid that they. Uh, liberated and this mm-hmm. old nuclear reactor turns on and Lilith starts freaking out and Cal goes to turn it off but he can't and then suddenly like she turns into a ghost and then there's all these naked fairy ghosts that are there and she disarms that? the reactor on her mm-hmm. own and then is sick for a couple episodes like that just went completely unexplained it just randomly happens <laughs> yeah it does and yeah that was a weird episode because it was all of a sudden they just start talking about this nuclear reactor and everybody's going crazy about it. And, um, yeah, and that's, that's like when I said earlier when she, got, when she was sick. I mean, that was the cause of her sickness for a while. And then, um, yeah, that, 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 that was a really, weird, a really weird episode. And once again, it's one of those episodes that's like if you kind of take that out, mm-hmm. maybe we could um, have some other things of, of all the other things that were opened or you know just it's just kind of a random thing so i I can't explain the fairy ghosts but i know that um they when when she was first introduced they showed that she could project herself outside her body 
um, in the first episode that she shows up in. And I guess I was just uh, expanding on that. I mean, it is a filler episode, but at the same time, um, it was something that was shown earlier on in the show. I don't recall it's, that being shown. She yeah. they sh- they showed it when she was um when she was performing in front of people. Um, she projected her own her own image outside of her body. And at the circus that she was, she was like sitting there um, knitting, you know, in reality. But her, she was able to project herself outside of her body to perform for other people. Well, even if you can project yeah. um, yourself, being a circus fairy is a far cry from being able to deactivate oh, yeah. a nuclear reactor. To become yeah. a medium, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and it also doesn't explain all of the naked fairies hanging out with her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Plus, when she wakes up, she doesn't, have, she doesn't have any idea of what she did. Yeah. So... Uh, there is that. Uh, the pacing, there definitely are some issues. Definitely in the second half of the show, after the Mark II appears, when they're on uh, the planet Tritatol, things just kind of really slow down a lot. Mm-hmm. And they don't really take off until finally Daba starts talking about Operation Stardust. Mm. And no, not, not the same one as Gato. <laughs> um, but kind of in a way, it, it kind of was, wasn't it? It kind of was. Mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, instead, of a, instead as, of a colony, it was asteroids. So yeah, as a fan of Lessie, I was disappointed that you know she went from being this interesting character. She decides to leave because she's sick of the way Daba's doing things and and not taking things seriously and you know planning out for this rebellion. She comes back a few episodes later as sexy Lessie, mm-hmm. but basically has been demoted to a supporting character. Yeah, and doesn't really have any development from that point on. Yeah, I mean the only the only thing that's even really of any memory is. The one episode where her and Amu sneak on to uh, Guazan's ship, and you know she's she's basically trying to keep uh, Amu from getting killed, um, and then you know of course Amu's got to be a complete bitch about it the whole time because mm-hmm. that's she, all. And then she and then and then she finally starts to realize, oh yeah, Lacey, yeah, she does actually have uh, abilities and capabilities that I don't have because I am a, a talentless bitch. You know, who just says Daba the whole time. (laughs) Another thing is that um, we mentioned the character of Full Flat, who Mm -hmm. is independent and is uh, has eternal youth through uh, Poseidon's bio relation, Mm -hmm. and she's sort of a proto Haman Khan in that she's this independent faction that everyone's trying to court. But the difference is Haman is a better character. Oh yes. And her motives are much clearer. She mm-hmm. is out to do everything for herself. She will use you and say that she's your friend, but only to further her own goals. Absolutely. With Full Flat, you just constantly go back and forth. You have no idea what it is she's doing. But even for the longest time, like I said, you get the feeling she doesn't even know what she's doing. Because she's constantly like uh, either helping or not helping Daba, helping or not helping Giwaza. And it only becomes very clear at the end what her beef is, which is pretty legitimate because she was a temple knight to Poseidon. He gave her eternal youth and she's sick of him and his manipulation of women because he use, he uses her friend Mion as uh, his puppet to be Poseidon while he disguises himself as Amandara mm-hmm. and just manipulates from the shadows. And he keeps doing it because he has this creepy thing for Amu and keeps trying to like, like get with her. Yeah. And Full Flat's tired of him and his bullshit, which is understandable. But there's just so much weirdness surrounding her for so much of the show. Um, what else? There's also in this show uh, a lot of discussion about how corrupt the Poseidon military is. And you see that a lot in that everyone is always out for themselves. And they sometimes even 
attack allies just out of anger or out of desire to, you know, get to Daba first or whatever. And there is so much backstabbing and betrayal in this show that it's kind of hard to keep track at some point <laughs> who's with whom. As you have initially, Daba's just uh, a nuisance. Then he becomes the leader of this rebellion. Then Giwaza gets tired of his position, so he wants to rebel against Basadal and take control of Pentagona, and he wants to use Dab as a distraction while he builds up his thing. Mm-hmm. But then he's got, he pretends to be loyal. He's got people who pretend to be loyal to him, but sometimes aren't. Later on in the show, when he captures Olaby, and you got Gavlet going back and forth and like double and triple crossing uh-huh. people to try to get towards her, it's like, what side is he on and pretending that- not to be on? And- I completely agree with you because there's that, that, that span of where Gablet, yeah, like you said, when he's, he's trying to do the triple and quadruple cross of getting with <laughs> Gaza. And you're just, you're, you're, I actually had to uh, go back while I'm watching this and just kind of go back and just kind of do it almost frame by frame to see what the hell is going on here because there was just, it was confusing. It, it was yeah, it's just absolutely constant confusing. betrayals. And then it gets even weirder because later on near the end in the final battle, you have Gewaza trying to tell Poseidon, like, hey, we should take out these rebels together. But then you've got Poseidon's forces joining up with Dalban saying, well, uh, we'll help you take care of Gewaza, yeah. but then we're going to go after you. It's like, what? what is going on? It's just <laughs> crazy. And then you yeah. find out all the stuff about Amandra being Poseidon. Mm-hmm. And he kind of screws himself over because people are so used to Poseidon, the creepy-looking woman, being Poseidon, mm-hmm. that they don't realize he's actually Poseidon, and they start like shooting at him and attacking him because they don't even know <laughs> he's the one who's really in command. Which, if you really were in control of, say, a whole planet, mm-hmm. a whole system of planets, and like billions of people, wouldn't you like make sure that more than like your butler knows that you're really the ruler of the galaxy? I yeah, hurt so much. <laughs> you have a puppet regime and a conspiracy behind it, and uh, you know the right people don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that, um, that that point towards the end where they're trying to get out of uh, the the uh, that big mansion there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like they're like hiding behind stuff. Like yeah, I, I just like, like hey, it, who's uh, this guy? And they start yeah, shooting. What, like, what are you doing here? Oh, we're, <laughs> oh, I'm Poseidon. No, you're not Poseidon. We're gonna kill you. Oh, and it's just like. And then when he steals oh. the original Odge, oh mm-hmm. yeah, don't let him take it. And he's like, no, this is mine. I'm really Poseidon. She's not Poseidon. They're like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Also, you had at the very end the final battle between him and Daba was anticlimactic mm-hmm. because he's just beating down on Daba until Daba realizes that he's in an energy field that gives him power, and then Poseidon turns that off, and this guy just ages to death and turns to dust. <laughs> He gets Raiders of the Lark syndrome, uh, Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark syndrome, <laughs> pretty much. So you have those issues. Um, the story definitely has some pacing problems. Just things coming up over again. Lots of minor skirmishes that amount to nothing. Which mm-hmm. even some characters know. There's one episode where um, Gavlet, whichever side he's on at the moment, he's attacking Daba. <laughs> and Daba's like, "Hey, you don't seem to have your heart in it today." Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'd rather be saving Olaby than having to fight you. So uh, I can see your heart's not in this either. So screw you. I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that episode. I'm just sitting there and I'm like, what? What is going on here? <laughs> yeah. So they definitely could have cut out a good, maybe even 10 episodes out of this show of just filler or random characters or repeated storylines of, hey, Hashimoja re- betrayed them again. Uh, or, hey, this person's attacking. 
Uh, you could take you back, Hashimoto. It's okay. <laughs> we, we know you didn't really mean to get us killed, but uh, just don't do it again. Well, you're trying to get us killed, but you have that in the end, so you're cool. Until <laughs> yeah. the next the seri- time you do it again, and then again. <laughs> this series is going to use a whole lot of airlocking, and we saw a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But so many other characters deserve to get thrown out of airlock with, without, a, without a normal suit, most definitely. Yeah, so that, that's my comments on the TV show. Enjoyable, but not without flaws. <laughs> Very, very true, and I guess that leads us over to the OVA. Um, now, as as uh, as was mentioned uh, uh, in the first segment, Neo pointed out that uh, the first two OVAs, there's three episodes for the OVAs. The first two are nothing more than a recap of the TV series, and really but, bad recaps at that. Yeah, I, I I didn't watch them personally, but uh, Chris is probably the one out of the three of us that did watch them. I, uh, I, I watched a little bit. Of, I watched like the first half of the first. I skimmed one, through them just to and- see it. Yeah. The the first OVA, which is only like 45 minutes, mm-hmm. pretty much covers, say, like the first three episodes and their escape from uh, from Coem. And then suddenly uh, they're fighting Poseidon and they've already jumped over like everything from Mizun. And Goodness. then in the second OVA, they pretty much just jumped to the final battle at Sveto and are covering the last three episodes and have skipped everything from that point on. Mm. And they even have things out of order to the extent that uh, you see Full Flat get killed, mm-hmm. but then they show later scenes that took place before that and she's alive. Oh, wow. Oops. I should also note that there are, before we get to OVA 3, there's two little shorts at the end of these OVAs that are new material. Mm-hmm. But they're pretty uh, like quick things. The first one, uh, Gavlet gets a idea of how he can get Daba this time. And that is, of course, the uh, favored Tamino cross-dressing tradition, which already showed up in the TV show anyway. (laughs) So he dresses up as a woman and comes off as a very good-looking woman, walks into a bar and lures Daba out, although then he transforms into Kiao. I don't know how that happened. And then uh, he's like, hey, you're hot. And Gavile's like, no! And he strips off all his clothes out of his boxers. I'm a man! Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, I don't care. You're so hot. And he's like, no. And he runs away. <laughs> and then the second one is there's a women's wrestling match in Sveto. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think you can see where this is going. That's too funny. You yeah. have various uh, characters uh, wrestling with each other while Daba, Kiao, and Gabale provide ringside commentary. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it ends with, of course, Amu and Lessi fighting each other. They blow up the stadium in their anger and then keep on fighting because, you know, Daba. Because uh, Daba. <laughs> <laughs> and Leslie, she's a dirty fighter. She doesn't mind, like, like ripping your clothes off to try to uh, attack you. Wow. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> she's 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 definitely uh she's she's definitely not a she's not inhibited at all. Um, but uh, any anything else about these the, the first two OVAs at all? They're bad. Don't don't well, waste your time watching them. Wow. <laughs> and that leads us to the third OVA, which is uh it's a story that I guess could take place in between um before the Mark II gets introduced in the series. But um I'd definitely say definitely in the early twenties. Early twenties. It you can it falls somewhere in there. Um, basically, uh, just to, just to tell it in short, uh, Lessie, uh, her grandfather, I guess, is a part of the uh, Elite Thirteen. And um, she, they, they, the Elite Thirteen concocts a plan 
to uh, pretty much draw her out for her for her betrayal to the uh, to the to the military by telling her that her parents are um, have been taken hostage because of her betrayal and they're going to be executed. So she has to turn herself in, otherwise that's going to happen. So um, she's forced to do so, and the uh, the Elgheim crew have to figure out a way to save her. And so um, good old uh, Daba, he charges in to face off with this maniac member of the Elite 13. I forget his name, but he is... Fred Akoitz. Fred Akoitz. You know what's funny is that the, the subtitling was so bad, I wasn't even sure what his name was. So... <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah um, he they they go toe to toe he's kind of like a uh, his 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 um heavy metal is well um to 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 uh, i guess it's uh fitting it's it's run off of a uh, kind of a music based system where he plays keyboards inside is a uh, heavy metal and it's got a bunch of uh, beam sabers that uh twirl and and cut all sorts of stuff and and daba has to uh fight against a multi-armed uh heavy metal and they 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 duel to the death and of course daba inevitably wins and uh gal is uh rescued but she has to fight against her grandfather um in order to uh in order to survive um she decides to duel with him and uh, they finally um convince him that she made the right choice and he helps them escape the uh the planet uh uh pentagon was it pentagonia that they're on Gastigal. Gastigal, sorry. Gosh, Pentagon is the system. But um, he helps him escape in the end. But um, it's very well animated. And um, I'll That's turn it over. Nicer animation than the TV show. Oh, absolutely. And uh, Neo, any thoughts on the OVA? I just laughed. I was like, um, it's like I saw Evil Basra there. Because uh, <laughs> he said something, too. I, I forget what he said. That was like, like this is the from, music of your funeral. Yeah, he, <laughs> it. he did it like two or three times, and I was like, "Oh man, this is too funny." So um, yeah, yeah, I saw this guy thinking to myself, "Like man, he missed his calling. He's in the wrong show. He should have been. Yeah. He's got this glam rock look. He looks like mm-hmm. like freaking um, David Bowie in a robot." Oh yeah. wow, <laughs> he's got he's got a keyboard. He's got three keyboards, piano yeah. keyboards in his heavy metal. Why wasn't he the fifth member of Firebomber? Exactly. <laughs> Well, they already had a keyboardist, though. Ray. I mean, Ray was the... He could have been a backup. Yeah, yeah. there you go. So, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, yeah. He's, this is a guy who already had a keyboard in his mecha. He didn't have to have one made for him by, uh, by, by UN Spacey. He's <laughs> 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 like, oh, you, oh, Basra, you, uh, you, you pilot your Valkyrie with a guitar? I already got three keyboards. What do you think, huh? Yeah, what does... And win? I'm crazy! <laughs> what wins? What wins in this? The Basra's uh, Valkyrie or this guy's uh, keyboard, keyboard powered heavy metal? Uh, that guy, because he's crazy and he's out to kill. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I sort of just wanted people to listen to his song. So, but um, yeah, I mean, just in typical OVA fashion, you know, just some offshoot story. Luckily, this one is, is, you know, like you said, probably somewhere around the mid 20s or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not one of these crazy ones where it's like an alternative, uh, an alternative story or one of these ones where everybody's roles get reversed or something like that. So it kind of seemed like the, somewhat the 55th episode somehow. But, um, uh, you know, nothing, nothing too great. I mean, it was uh, just, a, just the pacing was OK. The, um, you know, the, 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 the villain... Yeah, he wasn't too bad. And then you have the whole thing with uh, Lacey's grandfather. So um, even though you had her pretty much crucified most of the time. Oh, yeah. They had her, <laughs> they had her hanging there. So, um, but yeah, I mean, nothing um, nothing that's going to sit there and set the world on fire. But 
but definitely a nice little, um, you know, a nice little time to go back and, and, and see something that would be a little bit different uh, than, um, you know, some of the normal L game uh, episodes from the series. So that's about it for me on that one. But, and, and I do second. Yeah. I wish, uh, I, I wish the series was uh, halfway animated halfway as well as, uh, <laughs> the the show was at points because there were some times within the uh, the series itself that uh, looked like some people were taking breaks or people were on vacation. So yeah, my my, my wife was watching me watch the show and she said that this show lacks definition. It's like, well, baby, it's from it's from the early '80s. You know, it's it's not going to have the smoothest animation. It's like, yeah, but it's it's still lacking something animation wise. It's like, well, I, you can't win them all. But uh, I I had to agree with her in some parts that the animation was very lacking and. Uh, Chris, uh, what were your thoughts on the uh, on the OVA? Well, this was actually my first time watching it, although I had seen the TV series beforehand. So oh. it was neat in a couple of respects because we got to see the last two members of the Elite 13. Mm-hmm. That's true. We had never seen all of them in the TV show. And we also got to see two new heavy metals that were pretty nicely designed. The one that uh, Preta uses and the one that uh, Nay Mohan uses, which is not one of her regular ones from the TV show. Mm-hmm. The one with the spiked mace. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, aside from the new animation, totally new soundtrack, if you had noticed. Yes, yes, indeed. It was all new music. They didn't use any music from the TV show. Yeah, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else? Also, uh, this stuck out at me. Maybe it stuck out at you guys. Uh, Gable is not in this OVA, but his voice actor plays Preda. Oh, wow. I, I thought, yeah, I thought he did sound familiar. Just more, just yeah. way more dickish, like the way he's always harping on Leslie's grandpa. So... It's like I would hear him talking, look at him, and I kept catching myself thinking, like, wait, is this like, is, is this glammed up Gabalay, like, just going crazy? Because <laughs> you just can't mistake that guy's voice for anything else. No, Shohayami, man. One of the noticeable voices in anime. So maybe they should have just had somebody else play that role. Yeah. Instead of him, because he's so identifiable as Gabalay in that show, having been in so many episodes as Gabalay. And, you know, this guy kind of looks at me. He's just, and he's got purple hair, too, but just really glammed up. So, yeah, <laughs> I had to stop myself from thinking that it's gam- glammed up Psycho Gabley since it isn't. <laughs> who was the voice of the grandfather? Because it sounded like uh, it also sounded like uh, the guy who did the voice of. Uh, oh, wow. I'm just I'm blanking now um, of Gawaza. Um No, it was it, not. It wasn't him. OK. Probably it, just it, some generic old guy. Indeed. Indeed. But any other thoughts? It was uh, a, an enjoyable, uh, enjoyable diversion. Although I was amused by this uh, one-shot disposable bio-based Zelda that is talked up as being this massive thing. I'm like, wait, I don't see, I don't see Ganon anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And, and it goes down by the end. Of, of course, it has to go down because we never see it or hear about it in a TV show. But it's like, oh, if you go in there, Tabo, you're going to die because bio-based Zelda is going to kill you. And mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's so awesome. And I really didn't see it doing anything. I didn't either. Yeah. It was just this thing and then it blew up. And that was it. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, that, that is true. They, they do talk about that thing. It's like, oh, it's just going to change the world. It's going to F you up. And, yeah, and it blows it. up. Yeah, exactly. I think we, I think we got our set piece. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, yeah, I, I guess it was just a, a means to an end for this, for this OVA. Yeah. So that's uh, my comment. It's an enjoyable OVA. Definitely <laughs> worth watching if you enjoy the TV show. Mm-hmm. Not going to change the world, but, you know, it was definitely pretty be- uh, a lot better than a lot of the episodes in the in the series. <laughs> oh, dang it. <laughs> definitely a little bit more enjoyable than some of those stinkers. 
man i i i i actually enjoyed this episode too uh, the animation i thought was gorgeous and i enjoyed the soundtrack in this too um what i'd like to see I, you know actually I, I look at this ova as kind of like a i guess a, an apology for the the service that they did uh to leshy's character kind of you know when she makes that uh that transformation and we don't really get much explanation behind it um and she becomes a supporting character this this ova focuses on her character again which is a nice treat um what i would have preferred an ova um that would have explained some more things in the series like with uh um Kuwasan's brainwashing and, and how she was acquired and made a puppet yeah i would have probably would have preferred that but it doesn't make this any less enjoyable would have and- also been nice to have flashbacks to uh Poseidon as an mm-hmm. actual Poseidon. Yeah, that, that the whole backstory. War that he and Full Flat and me and fought in all those years before. Because mm-hmm. that's what, just kind of mentioned without really being explored. Mm-hmm. I, what I would have liked, I guess, is something akin to what Battlestar Galactica did with the whole story about the Cylons. Um, that was, you know, kind of a, a kind of an epilogue to that series, where you have the whole backstory of of what happened during Galactica. I would have kind of liked um, something that would encompass the history before L game and kind of a little bit of an epilogue afterwards to explain what happened to everybody. But if anything, it, it's 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 the ending leaves a lot to the uh, imagination. Go, go, and that's go read good five too. star stories instead. You know what? You're right. You're right. <laughs> But um, those are my thoughts on the OVA, and um, I guess uh, before we close this segment out, we should definitely rate the TV show and the OVA. Um, I will turn it over to Chris first to uh, give uh, his rating for the uh, the TV show. I'll give the TV show and the OVA both three and a half out of five sexy lessies. Oh man, oh man! Well, there you go. I, I, I knew I knew your taste would would definitely go in her direction. Of course. <laughs> Um, Neo, what were your what what's your rating for the TV series for uh, Heavy Metal L Game? I'd probably have to um, agree with Chris on this, except uh, I, I would give uh, the TV show uh, three and a half uh, hover chairs out of five. Oh, yes. Indeed, and uh, the um, <laughs> the OVA the uh, OVA number three, I'd give uh, three and a half keyboards out of five. Wow. Well, I wasn't going to get to the OVA afterwards, but since you brought it up, uh, Chris, what's your rating for the OVA? I just said. He just oh, said. sorry. It's, it's well, a good show. You should listen. Goodness, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, I, I guess my my rating for the TV show. Um, I would definitely give the <laughs> I give the TV show uh three out of five dabas. <laughs> so I guess that last point five is da. But uh, and then the uh, OVA, I would I would probably give it three out of uh three out of five uh. Uh, uh dual lightsabers there you go as uh as granddad he wielded those uh lightsabers like uh granddad darth was doing maul. It 13 years before darth maul no doubt man <laughs> take that lucas but um yeah i guess that uh wraps up our review of heavy metal l game it's an enjoyable watch and again if you like five star stories or um always well, had an interest in that. Mention that now yeah um there is a connection so no exactly um the uh the designer of the mecha and uh the characters uh mamaru nagano he uh moved on to work on five star stories and was inspired because he thought that l game was kind of a disappointment and uh <laughs> um if you uh it, it five star stories also it kind of takes place in a in a, a space fantasy world and it has a lot of backstory and a lot of rich history that's been developed for um for for that that whole saga. The manga's been running on for years, except for the fact that uh, Nagano kind of took a break from the manga to work on other things before uh, starting up 
uh, the manga again, um, which I guess is uh, getting ready to come back out in Japan. But Chris, uh, anything to add to uh, what's been going on with Five Star Stories? Well, you can definitely see where they're connected because there's some similar names and mecha designs. Mm-hmm. There's some mecha. The uh, Five Star Stories, they're called Mortarheads. Mm-hmm. And some of the mortar heads you can definitely see are inspired by heavy metals. There's one that pretty much looks like the Mark II. Ooh. Uh, there's some that have similar names but are completely different designs. Uh, there's a couple that have like the name Temple in them, just like uh, some of the various Pesadal suits. There's one suit that's called the Helmine, but looks completely different from the sh- one that's called Helmine in L Game. In L Game, there's a heavy metal called bat shoe and in <laughs> five star stories there's a guy whose name is that shoe with a v Ooh. wow i actually uh, like the couple, bat shoe yeah there's a couple of other relations uh like you mentioned it's a story that spans four star systems rather than just one so you have this planet hopping thing you have uh in l game the uh the shrine of lachesis that mm-hmm. Sato used to uh shut down the bio relation which is also mentioned in um, that name is mentioned in five star stories aside from being a mythological reference uh Lachesis is the fatima of amaterasu the main character whose alias ladios soap backwards is Pasadal. oh wow holy and he has eternal youth which obviously was something that came up in l game with the bio relation that Pasado developed although i've only read the first book of five star stories so I don't know how it is that he uh, became immortal. It's probably not the same as the bio-relation that Pesadal used. Mm-hmm. And you have uh, some other, other similar concepts. I'm sure there'll be a lot more similarities as I go through them. But definitely just reading even the first book or watching the movie, Five Star Story is a much better work. Oh, damn. <laughs> Well, um, I definitely look forward to that. Uh, uh, Five Star Stories in uh, future episodes of Gundam. I'm certain that that series will cross our paths uh, sometime in the hopefully near future. But um, any other thoughts before we close out the segment? Um, Just just one thing. I know know this has always been um, uh, considered one of his, Tamino's one of his best shows. Mm -hmm. I. Once this gets posted and people just kind of can explain to me uh, on the Mecha Talk forum uh, why that is, because oh, damn. Um, I don't think it's a bad show. <laughs> uh huh. But I definitely no a lot of uh, there. There's always been a lot of contention that this this mm-hmm. uh, show was better than Zeta and stuff like that. And I just really? don't. Yeah, you've never heard that before. That this oh. is supposed. A lot of people feel that this is one of his better shows. Okay. And probably one of the best shows, and I, mm. I'm just kind of, I'm just be kind of interested in in hearing some uh, people's uh, thoughts about that. And even uh, I'm not even putting it with um, Zeta because this is like ap- apples and oranges. But you know, even a show like I kind of compare this in maybe the vein of uh, like a, a, a um, uh, what is it, um, King Gainer, where yeah. you know it's kind of a lighthearted thing, fighting against the man. But I think that that's a better show than this, and actually got the message. To got to the message uh, in less episodes, so yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree no, with I, that one. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I, I just kind of want to, um, uh, you know, I, I just want to know people's thoughts on that because I, I know there is a, it's a lot of love for this, uh, you know, as being one of the best, and 
just because I'm saying it's not the best doesn't mean I'm crapping all over. And I, I know that, you know, we live in the world of extremes. So if I don't like something 100 <laughs> percent, then I hate on it. But I'm not hating. On it. I'm just kind of, I just want to know people's thought process behind that. So mm. but, but I'm well, sure I'll be labeled as a hater. So. Well, hopefully the thread or the Facebook group delivers on that uh, on that request. But um, that th- um, that's it for our review of Heavy Metal L Game, and we'll be back with more Gundam at MHQ in just a moment. Just gotta keep on trucking, yes sir! I'm gonna go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny, first place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day! Gum damn it! Well, alright, you're messy. Would you make me a medal too? Greetings, I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pit podcast remember there is much drama on the internet but only the best makes pretentious internet theater tricky hunter you're late but at least you made it to my party rick how have you been glad i could come well well who do we have here wait just a minute who are you ben here has just been assigned to me i'm corporal ben dixon ma'am What's up? Nice to meet you. This is Corporal Max Sterling. How do you do? Call me Max, ma'am. You're pretty good looking. Oh, that was a very nice compliment, ma'am. I'm just honored to meet a beautiful girl like you. Well, welcome to my birthday party, Max. I want you to come over here and sit next to me, all right? Okay. Listen, Rick, if it were me, I'd keep an eye on him. Oh, brother. DJ! Attention! This is an emergency! All Veritech group members scramble. All Veritech group members scramble immediately. Emergency. Emergency. Oh no, you're going? Sorry. What can you do? It's the army. Taxi! Hey! Taxi! Come on, you guys, let's get going. Hey, I can't take all you guys. You gotta take us, pal. This is an emergency. Gee, anything to you like your girlfriend? What kind of question is that to ask me at a time like this, Ben? You okay, Max? I think I'm just a little tense. Don't worry about a thing. You know nothing can go wrong while I'm around. Now I'm really worried <laughs> about this flight. This is Gunside 1. Black Squadron confirmed for a counterattack in the 4th Quadrant. Roger! Corporal Sterling and Dixon, follow me. Roger! Roger! What area are we supposed to defend? We're all on the defense line, 4th Quadrant. But that's way at the end. All the really heavy action's happening over there. Can't we get into some of that? What can you possibly have in mind? We've been given orders, so follow them. Fighter 102, enemy coming in off your right wing tip. I'll fly rings around them, eh? Watch me show these guys up. Nixon, don't play around, you got me? Boss, I'm in trouble. Help me or I'm a gunner for sure. Stop it, Ben. You'll get yourself killed doing that. Now I gotta see. Watch out, here it comes. Sure was a big fat mess you got me out of. 
Hey, is that Max? Look at him go! Max, you tore him up! I'm happy I was able to help out. It's unbelievable! Lieutenant Hunter, huh? bad defensive maneuvers. Your response time will have to improve immediately. Hey, I've got a couple of completely inexperienced pilots here. I can't perform and babysit at the same time. I never even saw him. He destroyed a whole section of the fighter. Boy, I'm glad the repairs don't come out of my pocket. Max, you did pretty well. Yep, it was luck, though. They said I put away nine. Nine? My total was zero. Well, what a hotshot Max has become. I'll say. About how many did you blast? About five. Oh, I'm sorry, I mentioned it. You probably feel bad that Max beat you out. Oh, I don't know, I, uh... I was pretty good. Huh? I imagine it's possible they might even promote me. Some jump. Corporal to general after one battle. Hey, man, is that... Gundam? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. Welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. This is Chris, and we have another voice actor interview this episode, courtesy of our talent booker, Dalo R. Lance. So a, a golf clap for him, everyone in the audience. And our... Well, what is that? <laughs> Some, are somebody's cookies ready? <laughs> Either that or somebody's at the front gate. That's right. Get well, that our... Answer the door. Thank you. <laughs> our our guest this episode is voice actor Richard Epcar. You know him as steak connoisseur Ben Dixon in Robotech, uh, pill popping Valkyrie pilot Gold Goa Bowman in Macross Plus, and badass toilet peeping cyborg Bato in Ghost in the Shell. Mm -hmm. And about. 400 other characters <laughs> that too well I, I can't go through the entire imdb resumes i'm just trying to hit the highlights but welcome <laughs> so, to the show well if you're hitting highlights don't forget about raiden and the joker those are pretty big highlights and ansem and kingdom hearts yes yeah. indeed not to blow my own horn but <laughs> well thank you uh for for joining us uh obviously our listeners know that uh we had scheduled you a while back but obviously uh life gets in the way work whatnot so we're glad that uh we was i supposed to do the show before yes we had you scheduled back in i think was it december mm. really but, but being being that during being that's during christmas uh I, I i already had a feeling that everybody would be tied up so uh, yes I don't, I don't know how scheduled it was, but I think uh, Dolo was kind of back and forth with you with some time. Yeah, so. it's been, I've been, uh, I'm yeah. glad we were able to do this because it has, we have been back and forth and he's, you know, you guys have been very patient and I appreciate that. I've been crazy, crazy busy. Oh, I understand about that too. <laughs> I'm in a different industry, but I've been as crazy busy as you, so. <laughs> yeah, I've been juggling several projects at the same time and it's just been very, very tough. In fact... You guys, before we started recording, asked me about the Super Bowl, and I was—I wasn't even able to watch that. I was busy. 
uh, working that day. So it's just basically that's what's been going on. It's just been insane. So to start off, uh, I listed one of your roles, Robotech, which is uh, pretty far back, 1985. So to sort of lay the foundation for our roundtable of questions, um, maybe you could just briefly tell us how it was that you got started into acting and voice acting back then. Okay, well, let's we'll go back to the beginning when I basically came out to L.A. to be an on-camera actor, which I I did and still do. But at the time, I was uh, I was dating uh, Ellen Stern, who's my wife now, and uh, she was in this uh, this this movie that she had done. And uh, the people who did the movie that she was in had done another movie, and they weren't crazy about the people's voices in the movie, and they wanted to replace their voices, so. She asked him if she could bring her boyfriend, who was me, to the audition. I went there, and the guy said to me, have you ever done this before? And I said, oh, I've done it a million times, and I never did it before in my life. <laughs> and, uh, so I went in, and I did it, and I read for him, and I got the lead in that, and I replaced the lead guy's voice, and I kind of took to it like a duck to water. And I think part of it was because I'm also a drummer, and there's a there's a rhythm to this stuff, especially when you're dubbing uh, uh, projects where you have to do the lip sync. There's a There's a real rhythm to it. And people that are musical have a have an easier time to do it. So uh, I did that, and they really liked me, and they brought me back for several projects, and I started doing a ton of work. And then from that, I got cast in Robotech. Now, when we did Robotech, Robotech was kind of like the uh, you know it's like the A projects, the B projects. Robotech was kind of like the Z project. It was uh, <laughs> we recorded at like two, three o'clock in the morning. I mean, it was like it had no respect at all from the studio. We were. We were sleeping in the hallways, on the stairs. We were running from from studio to studio, doing our part in different episodes because they were in a hurry to get this thing out. And we didn't think much of it. We thought, oh, this is just you know another voice job, and uh, we didn't think anything of it until about ten years later when they called me up and they said we're having a a big Robotech convention in Anaheim. I said, was I in that? And they said, yes, you were. And you played three of the lead characters in it, Ben Dixon, Lunk, and Grell. I said, I, I did? They said, yes. <laughs> the stuff, I, I don't remember. So they sent me some of the stuff, and we went there, and, and they treated us like rock stars when we got there. It was unbelievable. So, I, so and you know, a ton of people came up to me and told me that Robotech changed their lives and that whole thing. So it was, it was pretty eye-opening, I have to say. And it's been, it's been great. I've been, I've been very fortunate to kind of fallen into this career. Since you've been in the field for so long, how has the technology of dubbing and the mechanics, uh, the process of dubbing changed from, you know, from the mid eighties up through today? Well, when we, uh, when we did it originally, uh, you know, basically there's a time code, which is the, uh, the, the foot, uh, the footage, the frame footage on the bottom. You know, when you see these, sometimes you see the thing and you'll see the time code on the bottom. That's all we basically had to go by. So that was on the script. And you'd have to pick up the time code off the script and you'd have to kind of hit it uh, approximately where the, where the started and hit, hit the mouth flaps. And, uh, you know, you basically had to keep doing it, you know, time and time again until you got the line to lay in and sync. Um, now they have uh, beeps where they beep us into where, where the line starts and they have pro tools which they can expand or contract the line or they can, uh, you know, chop it up and they can do all kinds of things with it and uh, move it you know, left to right and make it uh, a lot more sinky. And uh, it just, it, it makes our lives a lot easier. But uh, I remember a long, you know, a lot of projects uh, before this technology came along that we worked on that it was, 
it was a lot tougher to do that stuff back then. Before we get into some of your specific roles, since this is a big part of what you do, how was it that you got into um, ADR directing? Uh, pretty much the same way I got into ADR uh, voicing. I basically, uh, I was at a studio. There was this one movie called uh, The Adventures of Captain Schnauzer, and it was a Hungarian animated feature film that was actually quite beautiful. It looked like, uh, you know, Disney. I mean, it was absolutely exquisitely drawn and, and executed. And basically nobody wanted to work on it because it was a very long uh, film. And there was a lot of talking. It was basically, the whole movie was just talking heads. And basically uh, it, they were talking about the uh, economic situation in Hungary, which I'm sure kids in America would be thrilled to watch. So <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, basically what happened was they gave me the uh, the, uh, the nobody wanted it, so they uh, they asked me one day when I was in the booth. They said, uh, "Have you ever uh, written and directed uh, one of these things?" And I said, "Oh, sure, I've done it a million times. I'd never done it before." <laughs> <laughs> so they gave me the uh, project, and I felt pretty confident because you know I I had directed theater and that sort of thing, and I thought, "Well, I can do this." So I basically took this the uh, movie, and I said to them, "I said, look, do you mind if I throw out the translation and just kind of write something completely different?" And they said, "No, be be our guest." So I did it, and the movie was a big hit. And it was uh, it was owned by a company named uh, Quintex, uh, who I think have since gone by the wayside. But uh, they had another project uh, called Swiss Family Robinson that they were going to wanted to put on the Family Channel, and they were so happy with uh, with Schnauzer that they basically contacted me and said, you know, we want you to do this series for us. So I did the series. I wrote and directed the entire series. And then uh, from that, I started getting Academy Award winning films like Cinema Paradiso, Bella Pop, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, Woman on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, and, and uh, films like this, of this caliber, these live action films that I was writing and directing into English. So I did that. And as a result of that, I was hired by DreamWorks and Universal Pictures to fly all over the world and supervise our films into other languages. So it just it's been it's been a wonderful, you know, incredible thing that I never really foresaw when I was growing up because I always wanted to be an actor, which I still am and still do. But um, these other things that that have basically kind of offshoots of acting have just uh really made my life rich and, and wonderful and exciting. And I've got to travel everywhere and meet incredible people and work with wonderful people. And so, uh, you know, that, that part of it's been very cool. Well, uh, speaking of live action, I want to ask you about something that I'm sure probably was not a hit. And I don't even know how or why it was that I saw this movie, but uh, there's this live action movie called Sinbad of the Seven Seas with Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> that uh, you dubbed him over. What, what was the story behind that movie? Because that is just a god-awful movie. Yeah, <laughs> I'm well, curious what it is because I watched this movie I'm like, wait, it's Lou Ferrigno, but that's Bato's voice. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting that you ask about that. Um, years ago, before I met my wife, uh, I uh, there's that buzzer again. Get the door, will you? <laughs> Alfred, get the door. Get the door. <laughs> This is terrible. I gotta find a new butler. Anyway, um, <laughs> what happened was with that was uh, Lou Ferrigno. God bless him. He really worked hard, and he wanted to do. You know, he wanted. He was the lead in this movie, and he wanted to do his own his own talking in the film. You know, and I can't blame him for that. But I guess they were just not very happy with what happened at the end. It just didn't sound very heroic. So they basically hired me to to overdub him, and uh, 
Um, the funny thing is, like I, I started to say, is I, I actually dated. Uh, he's married to a, a lady, Carla, who I dated when I first came out to L.A. And uh, I had met her a few years after that, and I was at the gym working out, and she brought him over to meet me. But she, before she brought him over, she said, don't mention that we dated. He's very jealous, and, you know, don't say anything. So I'm I'm doing, uh, you know, bench presses with the, the barbells, and he comes over, and he's standing over me, and I'm going, oh, I'm, I have, you know, images <laughs> of him strangling me. And, and I thought, if he finds out that I redubbed him, he'll really want to kill me. He's so, going to go all Hulk on you. <laughs> yeah, he's going to go nuts. And I am like, oh, God, that's all I need. So anyway, um, uh I, you know, they just hired me. They just, they wanted him to sound heroic and they liked my voice. And so I got the job to do it. And it was actually a lot of fun working on the project. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, I haven't, I've yet to see the film, to be honest with you. I saw the stuff that I worked on in the studio, but uh, yeah, it looked a little, little cheesy to tell you the truth. I, I just looked up a, a YouTube clip to remind me because I saw this movie God knows how long ago. And, you know, it's just so cheesy looking. And uh, there's this part where, where you, so to speak, are um, enticing these snakes to help you out and talking about how downtrodden they are and everyone just abuses them. And then Lufrina proceeds to tie up all of these obviously rubber snakes into a rope to climb out of this death pit. Right, right. And that's, and, not, uh, no, that's not abusing the snakes at all. No, not at all. But uh, was, was everybody dubbed in that movie? Because I heard some other anime voice actors in different roles in that movie. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, that's probably uh, – I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, a lot of those movies uh, that are shot overseas, you know, a lot of times they'll shoot with uh, local talent and they'll be speaking, you know, phonetic English. They don't know what you, even know what they're saying and they'll just be right. saying – and then you have to kind of redub them, and 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 oftentimes it's more difficult to to redub those guys than it is just to redub a foreign film because they're just they stop in weird places and because they don't know what they're saying, you know. Yeah, so. and that was an Italian movie, so it wouldn't surprise me if there were people just like you said speaking phonetically, having no idea what the hell they're saying. Yeah, most movies, uh, and I'm I'm not sure they still do it today. I mean, years ago they used to shoot everything in Italy, uh, what we call wild, which means they would film everything and then they would uh, do the uh, soundtrack and the dialogue tracks after the fact so all those movies were dubbed and whether or not they used the uh, the original actor or not you know it just depended on who you were if you're a big star you got to do your own part if not they would just bring in uh, you know somebody else to to replace your voice yeah that being such an obscure movie i'm wondering has anyone ever asked you about that movie before now uh once in a while people will, will kind of say yeah i saw this movie you know i mean i i I'm on hundreds and hundreds of those kinds of movies also. So people right. see, they'll see something like that or they'll see something else and they go, I saw this movie and the guy sounded just like you. And I guess, well, that was me, you know, so. <laughs> I guess curiously, I didn't, I didn't see it in your IMDb credits. Yeah. Well, you know, IMDb is about uh, 200 uh, titles short. I mean, I don't, I don't add anything myself to that. And, uh, you know, that's all done by the companies or the fans or whatever, whoever puts that stuff on there. I've never added uh, one, one credit on there. So I should one of these days, I guess I should sit down and, and update it and put all the stuff that's missing on there. So uh, I'm going to open it up to everyone else if they got some questions. Uh, Solbro, do you have some questions you want to toss at Mr. Epcar? Um, I know that uh, I, I know you asked uh, a question that I did want to ask. Um, the one about uh, how the anime dubbing was back then. But uh, I, I recently uh, I, I saw that you took a trip to Europe. Uh, how did that, how much was that enjoyable for you? Oh God, uh, you're talking about our Ireland trip. Yes, yes, indeed. 
Well, that was an amazing, that was like a fairy tale. Um, my wife and I were invited to the Oscar suites last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we went there, they, they, it's just really wonderful. They give you massages and facials and all that stuff. And then when you, they, you leave, they give you this basket of swag with gifts and all kinds of stuff in it. And one of the gifts in it was a uh, four-day, three-night stay at a castle in, in Ireland. Alfred mm-hmm. the Star. <laughs> He's just terrible. Don't tell them that. They think I have a butler named Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> so you're Batman. I'm Batman. I knew it all along. Well, yeah, the Joker's actually Batman. That would be a twist, wouldn't it? That'd be Honestly. crazy. It would be. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, he's nuts. He's you know he's he's a he's a. <laughs> so anyway, uh, in the basket was this certificate to stay at this castle in Ireland, and my Ooh. wife and I were uh, are celebrating our our thirtieth uh, wedding anniversary last year. So we said this would be a wonderful thing to do, and uh, to go there to Ireland and uh, do that. So we we're thinking, well, how are we going to get over there? And then two weeks later, we were invited to Urticon in Dublin. Uh, which is a wonderful convention, uh, and they invited us over, and we told them about the castle thing, and they basically uh, coordinated with the castle. So they flew us out there, and they put us up for four days in Dublin, and we had a blast, and uh, uh, we we got taken here and there, and uh, uh, Gabriel, is that our guy's name? Gabriel. Gabriel? Gabriel. I think you're wrong. <laughs> anyway... Um, he was he was wonderful. He was our liaison. He took us everywhere, and we we went. Ellen and I went everywhere and went to the Guinness factory, and uh, oh, we Guinness. went to all, all the different museums. And uh, it was just it was wonderful. And then we took a train to Ballina, which is in Mayo, and uh, we uh, hired a driver there, and we stayed at this castle. We were the only ones in the castle. They had a full wait staff and a five star <laughs> chef there, and we it, it was really like upstairs downstairs. It was unbelievable, and we just had an incredible time. Uh, and we went falconing, and if you go on our Facebook uh, page, you can see us falconing and uh, and some of the pictures from Ireland. They're just really incredible. Uh, the castle we stayed at had a full armory in the in the basement, and uh, the owner Paul took us on a private tour of his uh, collection, and he's just got stuff from you know, I mean he's he's got he's got an elephant tusk that's millions and millions of years old, and. He's got all this armor and swords and broadswords and aces and crossbows. I mean, just incredible stuff. That's all authentic stuff. So it was it was a it was an amazing trip, and we would love 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 to go back sometime. Oh, it sounds insane, and and, and 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 it is a beautiful country. I was there myself last spring, and uh, it's it's a place that you have to seeing it even like a DVD or a Blu-ray just doesn't compare to seeing it with your own eyes. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous there. The people are, are delightful. They're lovely. They're very, very nice. And, and, and you know what I love about it is they're just, they're all really, uh, educated about their, their culture and theater and, and they, you know, their authors there, they have a rich uh, history of authors and you know everybody's uh, willing to talk about it, and uh, it just was it was wonderful to see that you know. Man, well, I have anything I, I've got to go to. I've got to go to Ireland sometime. I heard this beautiful country, and um, I also want to wish you uh, uh, congratulations on both of your uh, your wedding anniversary and Thank you. Um, a belated uh, birthday. Uh, uh, a happy birthday to your wife as well, Ellen, uh, Ellen Stern Epcar. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, uh, for for our listeners who may not know, she is the voice of uh, one of the heavies from uh, Gundam Unicorn, uh, Martha Viss Carbine. So, yes. um, yeah, yeah. Next episode that comes out. Ghost in the Shell. She's also, What's that? She said she's also in Ghost in the Shell. She was Haraway in uh, Innocence. 
Oh, okay. Get out of town. And <laughs> our version, so. Yeah, and she's, that, she's done a ton of stuff, too. And I've she, been doing hundreds. I've been doing it for 30 years. My yeah. goodness. She was she started with me in Robotech, so we, we've been doing this both for a long, long time. Wow. Well, it's a pleasure to talk to uh, to you as well. And uh, <laughs> I, I, my other question actually has to do with uh, your role as a director. Uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of uh, Hajime no Ippo, or Fighting Spirit. Uh, yeah. I watched it initially when it came out in Japan. I bought all the DVDs, and it was a true treat. It was a it was a true treat to listen to it in English. You guys did an incredible job, Thank and you. you did the directing on that. Um, I, also how play, is, I also play the coach. Yes, uh, Kamagawa. He's yeah. uh, <laughs> he, he gives it such a hard time. What's that? Come on, kid. You gotta fight this. Guy. <laughs> Oh man, that puts shivers down my spine. But uh, <laughs> how was the experience of doing a series that just ran as long running as that? Because um, I know a lot of animes don't run that long um, anymore, except for like maybe hits like Bleach or whatnot. But uh, how was your experience with uh, working on Hajime no Ippo? You know what? We really loved it. We enjoyed it. And uh, there's that freaking buzzer again. Um, <laughs> It just electrocuted our neighbors. It's nothing to worry about. Awesome. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, it was a great show. It was really a great show. We had a wonderful cast, and it was a lot of fun. We had a blast working on that show. And uh, I was just, uh, I was a little sad that it didn't do a little better. I think, uh, I think, me too. You know, not enough people really got a chance to see it because I think if you had seen it, you know, you would have enjoyed it. There was wonderful characters in it, and I think if if people kind of uh, got watched it they i think they'd get hooked on on the on the series and uh same but, could yeah. be said for monster yeah oh monster yes another one i played lungay in that but i didn't direct that one but uh i did direct a lot of like no end was a very cool uh series that i directed and played a played a lead in that and uh uh digimon as we mentioned earlier and uh you know there's a lot of these anime series that i that i directed and worked on and uh you know, the thing is with whenever you do work on a series, you know, it's one thing when you do a movie or whatever, it's nice. You, you get to see, you know, we, we're like a family. You know, everybody pretty much knows everybody that does this work. So it's always good to see your, your friends. But when you do a series, it's really nice because you see, you know, you keep seeing the same people, you know, over and over and over again. So, you know, hopefully you're working with people that you enjoy, which, you know, I always, you know, uh, Ellen and I always cast people that we, we like and that we like to work with because, you know, you don't want to be stuck with somebody that you're not crazy about and have to see them all the time. <laughs> so, uh, cause the work is, the work can be, uh, you know, uh, demand enough as it is. So you want to work with people that are going to make your, your life, uh, you know, easy and, and they're going to be fun to be with. So, um, that show was great. We had a lot of great people. Steve Staley was on it and oh yes, played Epo and, uh, uh, Paul St. Peter played my, uh, my assistant at the gym there and Eddie Frierson was, uh, uh, he was, uh, he was the big, uh, tough guy. Actually, I Takamura. thought yeah. him, uh, uh, originally, but, uh, uh, it worked out great with the coach. I really, I really had fun playing the coach. So that was fun. You know, it's funny. I, when I start directing these series, uh, inevitably I say, I'm not going to I'm not going to act in these. I'm just going to direct them. And inevitably, I wind up being a lead. Like in Loop on the Third, we had about 200 different people we auditioned for Jigen, and the producers ne never liked anybody. And 
one day we're trying to figure out who we're going to cast, and the producer said, Richard, why don't you go in the booth and read it? So I went in and I read the part, and they go, you're Jigen. We love it. You're, you're hired. So um, it worked out well, and, you know, and, I, and I actually like doing it because I actually get – I like working with myself as a director because uh, we, we get along well together. And, <laughs> uh, I, I On the take, same page. I you take, always know what you want. I take direction well for myself, and, uh, you know, I uh, – I don't argue with myself about anything, so it's kind of nice. And, and uh, that was a show that you worked on with uh, Tony Oliver, who was also in Robotech. Yeah, Tony Oliver, uh, I brought in to do uh, to do Lupin, and uh, the funny thing was with uh, with that show, the uh, producers didn't like Tony originally. They didn't want they didn't want him for Lupin, and uh, I thought he was perfect. And you know, they kept they kept coming in with these different. Uh, you know, ideas and because, you know, the thing is, here's the deal. You know, they grew up, they all grew up listening to this show. It's like, it's like if we, you know, we, we grew up hearing uh, Porky Pig, for example. And if you go to another country and all of a sudden Porky Pig sounds completely different, you know, it doesn't, doesn't work for you. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah. but the reality is, is that, you know, not too many people over here knew what Lupin sounded like. So, you know, it was kind of new to America and, uh, you know, they would play me this tape, which was kind of funny. You know, Tony would come in and they would always, every time he would read the line, they'd go bigger, bigger, bigger. And he would go bigger with it and they go, no, like this. And they would play the line, the uh, line from the original show, which to me sounded like, <laughs> it was like, it was flat as a board, you know? So then Tony would go, you want me to do it like that? I said, well, try it like that. And they would read the lines really flat, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they go, no, 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 bigger, bigger, bigger like this. <laughs> and it, like they were falling on the floor laughing their asses off. And I'm going, oh, my God, what the hell? Anyway, um, I finally convinced them to uh, to keep Tony. And, uh, and I, you know what? I can't imagine anybody else playing that part. I thought he did just a, a, an amazing job. I think you guys did a great job, especially since it's one of those franchises that's been licensed by 20 different companies and dubbed by 20 different companies with 20 different casts. Yeah. So you guys stick out for me as my choice English cast. Thank you. I appreciate that, and uh, uh, I feel the same. <laughs> Although, uh, if I remember correctly, I think uh, and this was a pretty good dub at the time, and I think it was before you guys. Uh, I think David Hayter played Lupin in the uh, manga dub of Castle of Cagliostro. Yeah. And and you know who played? Uh, I was in that actually. Do you know who played uh, Goyamon? Oh, really? Wow! God, it's been a long time since I've seen it. So. <laughs> yeah, that was another one of those shows. Yeah. You know, I played Goyamon in, and I didn't think anything of it. And then a billion years later, uh, we're doing Lupin the Third again, and somebody reminded me, "Hey, you played Goyamon in that that other one." And it's like, okay. And then I'm about to play another character in Lupin. I can't say what it is because it's uh, it's kind of a secret surprise thing, but. Oh. But, uh, yeah, so I'll be doing... Uh, that wouldn't happen to be um, in the TV show Woman Called Fujiko Mine? I don't know, would it? Oh. 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 Mystery. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> a, a legal mystery. <laughs> well, since I knew we were going to be asking about Lupin today, it's rather amusing that I was uh, at Ikea before this interview and I saw a lampshade that was called Lupin. I thought, oh, that's very fitting because he probably creeped through to peek in on some woman. Yes. Well, can you blame him? <laughs> no, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? But um, <laughs> speaking of uh, roles that you pop up in with other people, I wanted to ask you about um, Macross Plus because interestingly, both you and Dan Warren were in Robotech 
and Macross Plus obviously as different characters. So when you did, I, I'm also in uh, Gundam Unicorn, by the way. I, I, yes, I, we're going to get to that later. Okay. <laughs> we're definitely going to get to that. We are Gundam after all. <laughs> exactly. So uh, when you did Macross Plus back in the mid '90s, was that before or after you had become aware that Robotech was still this big thing that had a uh, a following and and this big fandom? Uh, I just thought it was probably another show. You know, it was just we were kind of doing a bunch of these at the time, and it was just another one. And uh, the the funny thing about that one was is that Brian Cranston was in it with me, and uh, yes. his his career has exploded. In fact, Ellen and I saw him at the uh, Television Academy the other night, Ooh. and you know he's just he's in everything. He's in Argo. He's in uh, Breaking Bad. He's the star of and producer of and. He's, his career has just exploded. So I said, yeah, that's probably not as as exciting as when we did Macross Plus together, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and yet he still does voice acting because he played uh, Jim Gordon in Batman Year One recently. Yeah, and he also had – he just recently had a uh, guest star on uh, on Archer, which is a show I would love to be on. But, you know, maybe one day. And I, oddly enough, he'd, he'd actually be perfect as a live-action Jim Gordon just the way he looks. He looks exactly like Jim the way Jim Gordon <laughs> – yeah, yeah, yeah. He would. He would make an excellent Jim Gordon. He absolutely would. So, uh, Solbro, you have anything else right now? No, I, I pass it back to you and, and Neo. Neo, uh, I'm sure you have a couple of questions to toss Richards with. Yeah, actually, uh, the first one that I have here is um, I found it interesting that you had talking that your original passion was uh, acting and then going into voice acting and then. You just on a whim said, you know, I'll, I'll try this uh, writing and directing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it wasn't your original passion, do you feel that, and, and kind of listening to what you've been saying earlier, uh, do you find that really being kind of uh, equal to, you know, your, your, your passion for acting and voice acting um, as you've gone through the years now? Yeah, I've, you know, I, I've, uh, I've definitely found a niche for myself in this business. And, uh, uh, you know, there's very, very few people who can do – I mean, there's a lot of voice actors, uh, but there's very few people who can write this stuff and direct it. And uh, so I'm in, a, I'm in a kind of an exclusive club in that, that respect. And, and, you know, basically I feel that all of this stuff is just part of being creative and it all comes from the same place my acting my directing my writing uh whatever it is it all comes from that same uh center of creativity so yeah i'm uh listen i'm very i'm very fortunate very blessed to to have been able to do this work and make a career of it and you know uh we have a we have a home and put kids through college and and live a nice life and that sort of thing and travel the world over so it's been it's been uh it's been a wonderful uh you know ride i have to say and uh uh, I'm one of the lucky ones, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, definitely. And, um, the, do you, do you f- sometimes though find it a little challenging though, uh, being on that side, the writing and the directing side, as opposed to, cause you, you talked about earlier, um, with your experience on Lupin where, you know, you're having to deal with the producers and they're wanting one thing and, and you know what, should you know what person should be doing this and do you, do you are there any other challenges outside of that that um you know sometimes makes it maybe you sit there and say eh, maybe i should have just voice acted on this project or not so well unfortunately uh, that's one of the minefields of our yeah. of our this is is dealing with clients and clients mm-hmm. oftentimes are you know they have they have their own opinions about things which is fine i mean they're the clients and a lot of times when they're 
they're the clients and they're bringing the job to you. you. You have to listen to what they want and you have to give them what they want. And that's part of the, the, uh, the job. But, you know, the other side of it is that a lot of times I'm very fortunate and people trust me and a lot of times they'll just hand the project over to me and give me free reign, which I love. And then I can just pretty much do it the way I want to do it. Um, the, uh, you know, when you, when you're stuck with the client and the client has, has very specific ideas and you kind of know, because I've been doing this so long, I, you know, I know what's going to work and what's not going to work. And oftentimes they come up with ideas that just really, I don't think are very good ideas, but you know, you have to try your best to make it work for them because that's what they want. And that's the same in any creative field. You ask any graphic designer and they'll have the same story for you of 10,000 suggestions by a client that just really don't work out in reality. Yeah. yeah, they don't. They don't have the experience, which is why they're turning oh, yeah. professional in the first place. But yeah, they that's don't. That's any creative endeavor. But it's funny because they they don't have the experience and they've never done it, but yet they want to tell you how to do it. So <laughs> it's it's yeah. kind of interesting, and that and that I don't think that'll ever change that aspect yeah. of it. You know. Um, I guess probably my last one right here is, um, you know, you had spoken about earlier how you've kind of gone, you've kind of grown to the American anime industry doing a lot of voices and stuff. And then, you, you know, um, you talked about when the, there was the Robotech com- convention in Anaheim and you were very surprised to see, um, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the passion of, of yeah. the fans on this, yeah. um, you know, as a person that's kind of, kind of been there since the beginning, I mean, um, is is it just kind of sometimes mind-boggling when you see that it's gone from you know doing you know just simple little jobs like for you know on your end and you know that these uh, these these roles and these shows have become into you know you know big franchises and, and caused a lot of a fandom in 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 um, you know conventions and stuff. Well, sure. I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's really nice to to go and 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 travel the world and and mm-hmm. have people receive you and be excited about your work and you know because you got to remember we're we're stuck in dark booths most of the yeah. time and we don't know if uh, you know people are going to like what we do or not like what we do. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's really wonderful and exciting when the fans get excited about a project and they come up and you know they they let you know they enjoy your work and you know that makes me feel good i really like that a lot it's uh, you know i love uh, doing the conventions and meeting the fans and and traveling and doing that whole thing so for me that's a lot of fun that's a real perk of doing this uh, work and oh yeah uh, you know i can uh, imagine and, and also you know the the thing for me too is uh you know I, it's afforded me to to work on other projects like cora which i'm on right now legend of cora Yes, Nickelodeon, and and those those are the kind of projects that are just wonderful. Where you're where you're doing original animation and you're creating something completely new and exciting, and yeah, you know, you're actually originating those characters. So that's really kind of cool, and I want to do a whole lot more of that kind of stuff. Yeah, oh, definitely. So, so back to you, Chris. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Richard, I'm curious. In becoming a director, has that changed the way that you work? as an actor, whether it's a production that you are directing or not? Um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I think all good actors have to be a bit of a director to a certain extent. And I think that all good directors have to be an actor. So I think that they all kind of work hand in glove together. And I know when I'm in the booth, uh, you know, I, I, you know, most actors kind of self-direct themselves anyway, because, uh, you know, they, they have to kind of know what they're doing and where they're going. Uh, and then you work in a partnership with the actual director, but, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's, especially when I'm directing, it's nice that I have this experience, uh, on both sides of the glass because I know how to communicate with the actor and I know how to, to bring out 
what I need to bring out from him to get the job done. And, and that's a problem with some directors. They're not, they have no background, no theater background, no acting or directing background. And they basically don't really know how to communicate with actors in a, in a language that actors will, will understand. So, um, you know, it's just, it, it makes it better and makes it, uh, there's an awareness there from doing both the sides of it that, that I find invaluable. So I want to ask you about uh, Ghost in the Shell, which uh, obviously we are big fans of here since we devoted, I don't know how many segments, to covering the whole franchise. And you've been playing Bato ever since the original movie in 1995, which uh, for anyone of our generation, that's one of the uh, many gateway anime of the 90s that probably everybody and their little brother saw. Yeah. That and, and Ninja Scroll, which you also were in, and Macross Plus, which you also were in. So. Yeah. You're probably in a lot of people's heads as, oh, yeah, I heard that guy way back on those VHS tapes I rented from Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So coming back every few years and, and playing Bato in these uh, various incarnations of Ghost in the Shell, um, what do you think of that character? Because he always, at least in the TV show, he's just always uh, seems like a fun guy to play because he always has some smart-ass remark to make about anything at any moment, no matter how serious it is. And uh, he's just a very interesting character, at least... Uh, from our perspective as as a viewer no he's great he's a, he's a great character i i love playing him and he's he's been he's been wonderful uh you know uh he's one of my favorite characters that i do and uh you know the funny thing with that was i started out i did the uh, i had to audition for the movie and i got the movie and uh and then uh a couple of years later they were going to do the series and uh you know i i they called me up and they said oh we got a series of ghost in the shell and i said oh that's great and they're going, we'd like you to come in and audition. I'm going, well, I did it in the movie. They go, yeah, everyone has to re-audition. We're going to, you know. So I'm going, oh, it's great, you sons of bitches. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll come in and audition for you. So anyway, I went in and I, I auditioned. There was about 200 guys there auditioning for it. And uh, thankfully I got it. It was only me and uh, um, William Knight who were, uh, who were brought back from the movie. Everybody else was replaced. And uh, so I was very, very grateful that I was uh, able to do him again and continue doing him. And, and then the cool part for me was uh, when I actually got to direct uh, Innocence, write and direct Innocence and play Bato. Because as we were talking about earlier, you know, a lot of times you're working with a director. When you're the actor, you're at the director's behest and you have to basically do what they want you to do. And this particular instance, uh, I got to actually direct Bato the way I wanted to play Bato, so that was really nice for me. And uh, that actually segues into my next question about innocence, or as we like to call it, Professor Bato's philosophy lecture. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, on our sister show Chaos Theater, we recently interviewed Crispin Freeman, and in discussing that movie, he said that he was uh, talking about its direction with you, and that he suggested it was more of Bato's Hamlet rather than action movie. So. I was hoping you could tell us a bit more about that in your approach to dubbing this uh, very, very dialogue-dense, heavy movie that's different from a lot of other anime productions you've probably worked on. Well, the script alone was probably the most challenging script I've ever had to write just because of the platitudes and the sayings and everything, the proverbs that were basically their dialogue. And to, to make... To take that stuff and try to make it sound like natural dialogue and conversational was really the challenge. Um, and, you know, I, 
you know the th- the thing that Crispin did help me with, and we did have we did have long discussions about it. And the thing that he uh, he did make me realize was that you know this is first of all it's it's somebody else's work, you know, uh, it's Ocean's work, and you have to you have to honor what what they're what they're what they've created. So I I I mean part of me wanted to say screw this, let's throw this shit out, and you know let's make it sound like. <laughs> An action cop thing, but you you right. can't do that. You know, it's it's their film; it's not my film. So uh, I had to basically try to stay as true to it as I could. But by the same token, I I had to also make it try to make it sound like natural conversation and dialogue, which was very very tough. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, Crispin and I did have long chats about. It. Crispin is really into all of this stuff and the manga and everything. He really knows, you know, all this stuff inside and out. So. Um, it was it was really nice talking to him about it, and we did basically we came to uh, the conclusion that you know uh, that Bateau in this this uh, instance was uh, has kind of become you know moody and and a little bit more like the major because the major's gone, and yeah. so to him and now and now uh, Togusa is being a little bit more like Bateau, and uh, and Bateau is being very internal and and thinking about things more than being a man of action like he's normally been in the past. So it was a real change of character for him. It's really strange, you know, to, to play him. It was just a, it was almost like a playing another character, but it was just another, you know, side of him. Yeah. Well, in a way it sort of is because those, the, those Oshi movies and standalone complex are, are different universes, but definitely is a big change from even the way he was in the first movie. And, um, it's kind of interesting that some of those same themes were touched upon in uh, Solid State Society, but obviously with uh, less quotations and, and less philosophy <laughs> abound. Right. And what else did I have here about that? Um, I was also curious. Now, you guys did the dub for Sandlot Complex, the TV series, but then when the two compilation movies were done, um, you guys were not on the dub for that. So what, what happened with that particular project that they didn't go to you guys and they, I believe it was maybe ocean that did that one. Um, yeah, the, you know, that's a, that's a real, uh, thorn in my side, if you will. Um, basically they, uh, Bondi thought Bondi was having financial problems and they basically thought they could do it cheaper in Canada. And we basically, because we love these characters so much, we said to them, you know, look, we'll, we'll match whatever price they'll give you because we love these characters and we want to keep it, you know, true to, to what we're doing. And, uh, they basically just went ahead and took it to Canada anyway. And I, I know, I know that it wasn't uh, received all that well. So, um, but you know, whatever it's, you know, it's part of the business and it happens. And there's a lot of these various, uh, series and, you know, it's like, for example, I play Ziggy on uh, Xenosaga and, uh, you know, when they did the series, uh, we recorded the games in Los Angeles, and when they got the series, uh, they did it in Texas. And I would have loved to have done the series because I love that character of uh, the Ziggurat Eight. And uh, you know, it just it didn't work out, unfortunately. And when I uh, I was on a panel at one of the conventions with Chris Ayers, who directed the series, I said, "Did you know that I wanted to do this character?" And I tried to get word to you. He said, "No, I didn't know." And had I known, I uh, I would have cast you in a heartbeat, and I said, "Oh, that's too bad." But you know, it's like you, you can't dance at every wedding, and unfortunately, there's very, very various versions of these shows that are go to different. You go to Canada, they go to Texas, they go to different places, and you can't be everywhere at once. So, yeah, and uh, those ghosts in the show, those 
compilation dubs, they're they're not bad, but you know, you just watch it and it's like, man, it's it's just it's not the same without Epcar or, or Freeman or Mary McGlynn. It's just you're just yeah. so used to these voices as those characters. Yeah, I don't know why they would do that. It doesn't really seem to serve the show at all. Guys, I but at least you guys got to come back for solid states, so you know yeah, kind of yeah, balances but, out a little bit. Yeah, no, that was that was a great show. We have a uh, question here from our pal Cressborn, who says, thank you for all the amazing voice acting you've done throughout the years. Thank you for all your effort and for all the time you spent in a voice booth when you could have been doing countless other things with your life than doing Elvis impersonations to a cartoon monkey. (laughs) (laughs) You have starred in many of my all-time top anime, Digimon, Ghost in the Shell, Bobobo, Fist of the Nose Hair, and of course, Gundam Unicorn. And even your parts and more parts in Lucky Star. Now that I've properly gushed all over the place, I'd like to ask you some questions. Number one, how was the process of adapting the script of Bobobo from the Japanese script to English? Who worked with you in that process? Um, I only did like uh, two or three of them, and the only reason I did that was because the, the originally the producer said they wanted it really funny, and I, I made some very funny scripts, and they, they would just take all the jokes out of my script, so I finally said, you know what, I'm not doing these anymore. The, the, thing, the thing with Bobobo was uh, they basically asked me five times to do the series, and I turned them down five times. Uh, I wasn't going to do it. I just I saw the show. I said, this show's crazy. You know? I, <laughs> <laughs> it is. That's uh, these, guys on, these guys were on acid, you know, that, that did the show. And uh, so anyway, they kept asking me, and, and uh, they just kept, they kept popping up at my door going, Epcar, Epcar, you got to do it. You got to do it. They, like, called me on the phone. I'd answer at 3 in the morning, Epcar, you got to do it. You got to do the part, Epcar. <laughs> I my refrigerator, open my refrigerator, they'd be in there, Epcar, you gotta do the part, you gotta do it. Wherever I went, they were everywhere. So I finally I finally said, Okay, I'll do it. I gave in and uh, I'm actually glad I did. I had a lot of fun working on it and it was a crazy, crazy show. But uh you know, and I you know, I don't know I mean the show's so bizarre that I don't know how much of it is uh is uh you know, uh, direct uh, translation of the original. How much we we changed, but uh, like I say, you know, they it could have been. I thought it, the show could have been actually a little funnier, but they kind of they kind of dampened it down. I think they were a little afraid of making it too outrageous, but it was pretty outrageous. All right, and to uh, close off, a quick pair of Digimon questions from our own Destiny Gundam, aka Peter, it says, "Greetings, Mister Epcar. Recently, I've been rewatching Digimon, and your voice pops up a lot." Not only do you voice villains like Myotsamon and not so villains like Marukimon, but you do a lot of bit parts as well. How do the casting for such roles work? Will a director just randomly ask you to read for a character, or will they ask if anyone is interested and you volunteer? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice if you could volunteer for all the characters you want to play. Yeah, no, they would, uh, you know, you audition for the bigger parts, and then if you're there and there's little littler characters, they, they might uh, just throw those at you and have you do them. Um, I also actually, uh, I don't know, a lot of people don't realize this, I directed the first season of Digimon. And, and, uh, and then I got my job from DreamWorks and Universal Pictures, and I, uh, I left and, uh, and went all over the world. So that was, uh, that was fun. But uh, it was great. It was a great, uh, great series to work on. I loved doing uh, my Otis Mon was basically my Dracula, you know. And, uh, and Edamon was Elvis. It was basically, we had so much fun with him uh, singing and doing Elvis songs, and it was just crazy. So <laughs> had a blast. And he also asks... Did you notice any differences between Saban and Disney while working on Digimon? Are you set to or are you interested in getting a role in the upcoming Digimon Fusion? Sure. I would love to absolutely work on it. I've uh, I worked on the latest one that was 
uh, on before and played a couple of different characters on that. So I don't know if that's what they're referring to or not. But uh, if there's a whole new version of it, uh, who knows, you know. But yeah, yeah I don't know because sometimes the, uh, the tiles of shows have changed from – when they're in Japan to over here. So I don't, I don't know how that matches up just like with power Rangers. So, right. I don't know which one he's referring to. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we know that you're pressed for time. I just like to say in closing, um, that I've enjoyed your, your work for many years as far back as, uh, ghost in the shell. When I got that VHS tape from blockbuster and, uh, all the roles you've done up to even recently, uh, as Daguza in unicorn, uh, oh, went yeah. out like a, like a bro. <laughs> I went, I went out like Ben Dixon. I mean, you know, I said, Yo. what is and it without like, even any steak beforehand. I said, I said, some every, every time somebody dies, they call me for some reason. I don't know what. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I've got to say that you have uh, you have entertained me since the tender age of eight. Ever since wow. I, I woke up one morning and found discovered Robotech, and um, Ben Dixon is one of my favorite characters in the Macross saga. And since then, you have played memorable role after memorable role, and. Uh, my hat's off to you, sir. I, if anything, it's been... Oh, no no problem. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Oh, thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. It's been really taking nice the time. to you guys. Thank you so much. And here's hoping uh, that uh, you, you play Bato once again and that uh, whenever that eventuality does happen, that we will have you on to discuss that in more detail. So Yeah, I hope so, too. Unfortunately, it's going to Texas, so it's anybody's guess what's going to happen. <sighs> Well, we'll we'll be uh, hopers and dreamers about it. That's all I'm saying. So keep your keep your fingers crossed. Thank you again for joining us. We are going to take a quick break, and you'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Good kick, Lee. It was an accident. That's okay. We'll just say you tried to catch a cab. And just how outrageous are the hosts of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast? Bulma, brief, from Dragon Ball Z, is such a tease. Anime. You're going to go over to Master Roshi's house every day, wearing your little short shorts, your little sexy tops. Addicts. But you're not going to let him tap that ass, even though he wants to tap it, and he gets nosebleeds all the time. Anonymous. He's 500 years old. The man can't die till he gets laid. Let the man rest in peace. All I gotta say is, Master Roshi's sperm count is over 9,000. Podcast. Don't miss a moment. Tune in at aaapodcast.com and iTunes. Get rid of everything that creates hate. Everything that helps make it grow. Alright everyone, this is Sil Bosby. And you've heard about... Judo! Judo... Judo Washita. Judo and the Junkyard Kids. Well, this fall on WSBR, they're going to be coming to your home. Uh, annoying pest. What are you looking at? <laughs> You're being mean, Judo. Why won't you play with me? Judo is under my control. Join Judo as they go against all the wackiness with the Mashima and the Junkyard guy. And you learn a little things in the end. That's it. This fall, Judo and the Junkyard kids on WSBR for your DVR favorites. Judo, you just watch. I'm going to get you this time. It's so goddamn hot. 
milk was a bad choice. Must be. All right, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is Chris, and we are running long today, so we do unfortunately have to close out without doing the mailbag, and we will try to get to it next time, maybe do another lengthy mailbag segment to catch up. So if you were waiting for that, well, keep on waiting. <laughs> but I would like to thank Richard Epcar for having joined us for a great interview, and again to our content man Dalo Arlands for making that interview possible because there was a lot of behind the scenes work that went into making that happen it's uh, a shame that we had all these technical issues and that his time was limited I know we weren't able to get to all of your listener questions but I'd like to thank everyone who participated anyway and we certainly hope to have him on again in the future so Sobro what are some uh, places people can find out more about Richard Epcar online we'll definitely make a beeline over to richardepcar.com where you can uh, catch up on uh, pretty much his demos and um, also you can follow him on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash richardepcar um, and also he has a Facebook uh, page as well um, just search Richard Epcar on Facebook and you'll be able to find him and uh, converse with him he's, he's very interactive with his, with his fans so um, definitely um, follow him on Twitter and feel free to talk to him. He's he's one of the coolest um, individuals on 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 those uh, social networking sites. Yes. Um, outside of that, uh, 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 I I guess we have a few shoutouts here. I'll just run well, them I'm off. Not done yet. Oh well, go ahead, go ahead. And in a totally <laughs> shameless plug, if you mm-hmm. want a good companion to this interview, Ooh, definitely yes. check out Chaos Theater's recent interview with Crispin Freeman that was uh, very in depth and also features some further discussion of Professor Bato's philosophy class. Ooh, nice. <laughs> as you heard earlier this episode. Mm-hmm. So I will now turn it over to Solbro. Well, I'm glad you segued to other podcasts as well. Um, I just wanted to uh, add that uh, Dollar Lance was recently on the Ikari cast, and um, they talked about all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, if you go over to reviewtopia.net slash content slash um, you'll be able to check out that episode that he was on. And just recently, and um, it, it, it's actually up on the uh, web right now, it's a special that Dalo and Neo uh, teamed up with the Akari cast uh, with, um, where they talked about the PS4 and the uh, rumblings behind their, their, their um, press conference that they just had the other day. So definitely check out that special. Well, no, just... we didn't talk about the rumblings of it. We talked about what was in the press conference. Oh, okay. These, get these... No, what it was is um, we did a special that night of the of the release, and um, I pretty much just kind of emceed and, and and had some just the general uh, person and you know person from the street uh, questions, and these guys went over a lot of the things that um, happened in the press conference and uh, just some of their feelings about that uh, and how uh, Sony you know handled the press conference and, and some of the things they're looking forward to but yeah we didn't address any of the too many any of the rumblings because this was like, yeah this, this, <laughs> yeah this, this this was like maybe a few hours after the because i the or the the um the conference was what like 6 p.m 
Eastern. It was a six Eastern, yeah. So it was 3 p.m. here, and I think mm -hmm. it, I remember it was over two hours long. And uh, <laughs> by the yeah, so it was it, it was it was shortly after that. So yeah, but yeah, nothing about the rumblings, just just about the press conference itself. Well, you heard it from Neo. Um, if you want to check that episode out, um, it's it's part of the uh, Gundam uh, feed, uh, or you can go over to Gundam.net and download that episode as well. Um, and also, uh, I just want to give a shout out to Geek, uh, sorry, Geek Generation. Uh, they recently put a spotlight on uh, Gundam and uh, wrote a nice little article about us exposing people to our podcast. If you go over to GG Orlando. Um, you can definitely check out their blog and all, all the you other know, things they spotlight and talk about. When did this happen? Uh, it happened a few weeks ago. Um, both and, Chris and I got exposed to it on Twitter. And thanks for emailing me and just letting me know that this is happening. I, I knew I'm, about it. I'm getting a case of deja vu. <laughs> Have we had this conversation before? I think we have. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yes, I, I'd like to thank uh, Geek Generation for, uh, for spotlighting us and definitely check out their blog. And last but not least, I want to give a, a great, uh, a happy congratulations to uh, one of our listeners, Rodimus76. His uh, real name is Rudy, and he just recently got engaged. And I just wanted to give him a shout-out and wish him all the best for him and his lady getting married uh, very soon. And um, when you guys have time, definitely peep these websites. Head on over where the magic happens. MAHQ.net. That's the Mecca and Anime Headquarters. Also, make sure you visit Gundam.net, the official website for the Gundam at MAHQ Podcast, and where you can download and find information on this episode and our entire back catalog. Join in on the conversation at MechaTalk.net, where you can also find official forums for Gundam, where you can submit questions, topics, and reply to anything that we said in this episode. All other links for Gundam at MAHQ can be found at about.me slash Gundam. There you will find links to us on iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, and our other media facets. After listening to Gundam, the next podcast you should be listening to is Chaos Theater, MAHQ's other podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom, hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ himself, Chris Guanche, and everybody's favorite pedal bear of the South, Pedro Cortez. Listen to them at chaostheater.blogspot.com. Shinjuku Station also has a podcast that focuses on fighting games called Fighters Ready, hosted by Gundam's own Solro Ryu and his co-host Nick the Stampede. Fight your way on over to FightersReady.net, where you can download episodes and join in on the conversation. And back to you, Chris. All right, well, that brings this train wreck to a close, and we'll catch you next episode. This is Gundam at MAHQ. It's over. Do it. Please kill me, I'm begging you. What was that? That's it. I want to be skinned with my own blade. Please, you must do it. And you believe... that will release you from your duties, let you off easy, you sick prick? 
fine with me! Don't fire! Sorry, pal. I already fought my war and I'm through with it! At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. Here you are, mister. One giant sirloin steak, medium rare. Thanks a lot, pal. Mmm, does this smell great or what? I don't know, Ben. It sure looks like a lot to eat. I'm so hungry, I may order another one. <laughs> Attention, all Sounds like the real thing. You bet it does, Max. Let's go. Hey, Ben, move out. Don't move. I'll be back real soon. Hey, guys, wait for me.